Hi there, it's Charles in the editing room. I just wanted to jump out front here and say real fast that there are going to be major spoilers for the High Republic in this episode. This episode was recorded on November 14th, 2021, and basically everything that had been released up to that point was fair game. So we're going to spoil The Rising Storm, Tempest Runner, Out of the Shadows, which I mistakenly call Into the Shadows several times in the episode. Please don't yell at me for that. And we are also going to make vague references to the events of the High Republic comic up to issue 11, the High Republic Adventures up to issue 9. So everything that had been published up to that point was fair game. Chris does do a very wonderful Why You Should Listen to the High Republic that's spoiler-free in the first 10 minutes. So my advice... If you're on the fence about the High Republic, listen to about the first 10-15 minutes of the episode and then turn it off. I hope you enjoy this episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. Hello, and welcome to the show, Gold Squadron Gaze. It's the show where Charles got access to the Zoom password, so now he can do whatever the hell he wants. Suck it, Bradley. I can record what the fuck I want now, and you can't stop me. I'm Charles Rogers. Hey, I'm Hope Mullinus. And I'm Chris Lazan. And Hope and Chris are joining me today. The theme is co-hosts of podcasts who want to talk about the High Republic, but who have co-hosts who either don't read or can't read and (laughs) need a space to do that. Oh my god. I'm working on... It's a working title. No, I I like the idea of my co-host not being able to read. My co-host just doesn't like to read Star Wars books. He'll read any book under the sun except for a Star Wars book. Ouch. Ouch. Wow. Wow. So he missed out on Dark Disciple. He missed out on the whole High Republic. He missed out on Thrawn. I feel like Chris would like Thrawn. No, no, no. He actually absolutely, he's read the original Thrawn trilogy in Splinters of the Mind's Eye, and he hates Thrawn. He thinks he is the biggest, like loser ever because he's never wins and he gets beaten by teenagers Chris, that's he's not wrong but when we I were still... going when we were going through rebels every time we had a thrawn episode we had a running gag where chris had to say one nice thing about thrawn at the end of every episode because <laughs> he hated that character so much and he would come up with stuff like he looks like he has nice pocket protectors <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So wow. No, Chris hates Thrawn. See, comparing it comparing it to the RuPaul's Podrace folks, who all they talk about is Thrawn. They just put out a whole Thrawn episode today. I kind of want to get them in the room with Chris and see the bloodbath. I feel like he, that would be funny. He's nice and respectful because he knows that Thrawn's my my blue husbando and how mm. like I I've written I write Thrawn fanfic and stuff like so he gets it, but like he'll definitely just be like oh really hope that's nice isn't he a space nazi <laughs> he's a, my ass down he's an artistic space nazi though he you know is. he's a space nazi with class yeah i see him more as a colonizer where he's like oh i must save your artwork because that's what we do and you <laughs> let me take your artwork for you he's more and then and then turn to my chis religion <laughs> i do <laughs> Not not to like super get on a tangent before we even get to the High Republic, but I do like how in Rebels the art thing is portrayed as he's taking the art and using it for his own ends, as opposed to the Thrawn, the original Thrawn novels, where it's just a thing that he do- he just has the art. I do so fun, like that. Fun fact about that, Rebels is the, the first time in canon that Ralph McQuarrie artwork 
has been used, like actually on the screen. Oh, really? that's very cool. It's, there's a picture of Ralph McQuarrie's, um, I think it's early, I know it's not early Tatooine, but it's one of his paintings is in Thrawn's office and it's the first time Ralph McQuarrie was ever on screen in a Star Wars. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I just learned a thing. Yeah, I, that that's amazing. I never knew that. I can't wait to get the rebels. <laughs> yeah, and it backs exactly five years. Uh, five, ten years, give or take. Five, ten years <laughs> when y'all eventually get to rebels. Well, hey, and like ten years when you need someone for resistance, give me a call. I love resistance. Yeah, that is like the one show I'm trying. I haven't. I've only seen the first episode, but that's right when we started to do our podcast. So I was like, I want at least one. Uh, story in star wars to be totally unknown to me so i can react to it more in real time and that's what i've selected is resistance it is think of it as a star wars novel it's not made to change canon it's a slice of life star wars uh, that would be my advice to you i love that uh, that's totally something i'm looking forward to i just did an entire um just an entire episode of a podcast which as of recording this it has not come out yet but by the time you hear these words, you can go over to Jag Eyes and Jedi and listen to me talk for two and a half hours. I think it comes hours. out this week, actually. I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think thinking of the timing, because the season two wrap up was last week oh, yeah, as of recording. Week. So go over yeah. to Jag Eyes and Jedi and find the Resistance full season recap. It has me on it talking an excessively long time. Also making bad decisions. <laughs> But we won't, we won't get into the consequences of my actions. Yoda was asking about you recently. Oh, goody. He said he didn't yeah. really enjoy your texts. Ah, uh, yes. We have a sleazy Yoda on our show who likes to play with uh, We won't We won't get into what happened. We, I, I'll don't have listen to check to it Jag out. I, don't listen Char to the Jagai. Charles made the, the mistake of flirting with Yoda and it did not go the right way. <laughs> oh, I think it went quite the right way <laughs> it went exactly the way that i was hoping it would go uh, uh speaking of bad choices i can't help but notice that bradley is not here to face me yes bradley so i i will get this out of the way elephant in the room yes bradley is not here um he has not read the high republic bradley is not a strong reader so he doesn't really enjoy reading that much uh, so he hasn't read any of this. I'm trying to get him into the audiobooks. For the longest time, that's why we didn't talk about The High Republic on this show, because he hadn't really read a lot of it. That's why when I pitched this episode to him, I said I want to bring on Hope and Chris and talk about it so that we could have that chance to kind of cover it on the show, since it's highly unlikely that he will read it. He is also on a work trip right now, mm -hmm. so it's just worked out. He was originally going to sit in on the episode, but he's on a work trip right now, so I'm just going ahead and doing it. So Allie from Knights of Ren, uh, W-R-E-N, was telling me about how her co-podcaster co Maria is planning on reading all of the High Republic once it's finished. And I was like, God, that's like three years from now. And there's going to be so much content to read. Oh, oh yeah. God, there already is. I'm already, there already is a lot. Yeah. There's already an insane amount. Well, he's also talking too, like, Bradley's talked about he, he wants a High Republic movie or a High Republic show so that he can get into it. It's because on its way. It's the Acolyte. I, yeah. I have I, brought those up on multiple occasions to him. I do. Yeah, I completely lost my train of thought there for a second. Well, where, where, where I was going was I couldn't help but notice y'all talk about me a lot when 
uh, Steph was on your show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, um, I would personally like to uh, have a conversation <laughs> with the three of y'all. I, oh. I appreciate I appreciate I take up so much real estate in your mind. <laughs> Good for you. Well, Chris, you know, are are you really friends with someone if you don't relentlessly shade them both behind their back and somehow also in a public setting where they can hear it? Indeed. And I, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> the best friends uh, are the ones that drag you down several pegs. <laughs> yeah. So since we're talking high republic i do want to like tell people uh, i'm hoping that by hearing this episode it inspires more people to get into it but like uh i have uh several learning disabilities and you know i was more of a reader in school because i chose to read fun books not the books that were assigned to me in class go figure and i read a lot of star wars books back then but you when... didn't think catch 22 was a good was a fun book. You didn't oh, bitch, think Catcher please. in the Rye oh, was Oh God, good? no! God, no! Catcher in the Rye. So you didn't don't get me. Read the Great Gatsby, there, Chris. Actually, no. Great Gatsby, I did like. I, I like that book a lot, actually. But anyway, um, but mm. since I've like had to work and I have to read and write for a living, and the last thing I want to do, because uh, my old tired brain want, is to read more. So when I originally started reading The High Republic. I really struggled because it was like, holy shit, a fleet of new characters. Holy, holy shit. Like all these different Star Wars references all over the place. And I had to like stop reading the book and Google stuff and then keep reading the book. And I lost track of things. So the way I, I kind of got into it was I listened to the audiobooks and I, I strongly recommend them because they put so much mm -hmm. production into them. And Mark Thompson, who's does most of the, of the books so far, is magnificent and so if y'all are nervous about reading i totally get it get the audiobooks they're fantastic and i strongly recommend them um i went back and uh re-listened re to books i had already read and i finally got it a lot better and i got the characters a lot better so i just you should do that i i would second that because i i always do books in audiobooks and so i i love mark thompson's uh Loden. His load mm. is really oh my god like his his load in and his bell at the end of the rising storm just made me cry like he acted the crap out of bell zedifar and I, I it's not mark thompson i don't remember who does into the into the dark but his yeah. tomac sounds like like he's borderline aragorn like i never imagined because Comac is like a battle nerd to me. And mm. like when he talks, he has this like roguish ranger voice. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was not expecting that voice. And now I can't unsee it because I'm just like, you're the roguish battle nerd. <laughs> I, I would also recommend uh, if you're a little nervous about trying out the High Republic, if you kind of want to see the era without investing, because Light of the Jedi is a lot. Light of the yeah. Jedi is a lot to jump into. High Republic Adventures, which is the the middle grade line that IDW is publishing, is a another starting point that I sometimes recommend to people. It's out of order slightly, but if you want like a understanding of what the era is like with the Jedi going on adventures and who like the Nile are and what kind of threat they represent and this general conflict in a way that's very simple but still very deep because Daniel Jose Older really knows how to write middle grade stuff really well. High Republic Adventures is another one that I'm like, if you want to start, pick up the first five issues of that. Pick up See, the first trade of that and read it. For me, it's Into the Dark. I think 
like Into the Dark is my favorite because it's such a wonderful balance of because one of my ongoing criticisms is unless it's like the adult line the adult characters are not really focused on that much it's it's been mostly like majority padawan stories except for like bell who's like the main padawan of the adult line the quote unquote mm-hmm. adult line um but what i love so much about into the dark it's such a good balance between the adults with like Colmec and orla and des wreath the padawan and his young adult story with affy and nan and then you'll still have like what's happening in the galaxy but it's more personal and it's still uh, exploring the ideas of like these Jedi have a lot more freedoms. Like Comac is an, Comac and Orla are both in positions where they can express negativities towards the order and that they don't always like everything. And so I feel like that's like, that book has so much perfect balance between all the characters. And it has like my baby boy, Leox and Geode. It has Geode. Who doesn't Geode, like Geode? best character. Oh, it's so good. Like I can always tell when someone hasn't actually read the High Republic, whenever they're like, uh, isn't one of the main characters a rock? And my response is like, <laughs> yes, and he is the best character in the book. Fuck you if you disagree. This is information, not affirmation. <laughs> I spent three-fourths of that book wondering if Geode was a drop bear. Uh, do you guys know what a drop bear is? No. No, I've never heard of that. So in Australia, the people like to tell tourists of mythical drop bears, which are like like ravenous koalas that will drop drop out of trees and attack people and they're not real and it's just something they do to like poke fun at tourists and that's what I kind of like I wasn't sure if that's what Affy and Leox was doing for like most of the book was like just pretending this rock was real just to mess with everybody <laughs> so I was like I think he's a trap bear but I'm not sure and then of course he has that dramatic rescue of Wreath at the end honest to god that one panel of um <laughs> In the High Republic adventures, the action lines around it, just the (laughs) that that. But honestly, the one panel where Court is like giving Geode a hug, and Court is talking in indecipherable Court language, and Geode is there, like the most emotional panel that you cannot understand what the fuck is going on in it. So good. Oh, I, I, I really, I, on one hand, I want more of the vessel crew because I love my vessel crew. But on the other hand, I'm just like, if they're not here, they can't die. <laughs> and they're off living their best lives. I Kevin thought, Scott and- needs to be banned from the vessel crew. They can't like, touch him. They, no, Kev, no, Kev, no, no. <laughs> you stay over there killing our other favorite characters off. I thought I thought Into the Dark could have easily I could see that one out of all the stuff I've read so far be an animated series for sure because um, like you mm-hmm. said it's so like it's so fixated on a key group of characters the other books jump around all over the place and it gets to be a little jarring sometimes because I'm like but I want to keep going what they're falling in the air do they die I don't want to go back to the museum room and find out what happens here I want to keep staying with that character so I totally agree with that. I, I call the last third of Light of the Jedi the corporate third, because that's where they very quickly have to be like, oh, oh, crap, here's Skir, and here's Jorah, and they're important over here, and like, hey, we're all together here at the end. That's a Renestra over there. They're in the other books. Check those out. Like, th- that just felt like, like they try to shove everybody at the end of the last third, because they're like, oh, shit, we have to have Skir. He's in the comics. It likes Skir. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. I did think, though, on the reverse side, it was kind of awesome having already been invested in it, seeing the Starlight Beacon, 
ceremony, like having read it in Light of the Jedi and then turning around and reading it in the comics and recognizing, oh, there's uh, the guy that the scientist guy from Hetzel, like you can see him in the background and mm-hmm. you can see the different characters in the comic and you already sort of know, okay, here's who this is. I feel like Light of the Jedi is rewarding to go back and reread after you've already read all of phase one and you know who these characters are. I, I would definitely agree with that because um, as I was telling them beforehand, like I, I write um, uh, Loden and Bell fan fiction and it's a prequel fic. So I was going back and revisiting um, Light of the Jedi and rereading certain sections. And like, there were just whole things I forget. And I, because I was, those characters were so new to me, but now that I know who they are, I was just like, oh yeah, you did do the finger thing and yay. <laughs> like I, it, it is much better on a reread because it is a lot to take in in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like the Loden and Bell stuff in Light of the Jedi, when I first read it, I went, oh, this is fun. This is a pulse pounding, save the family story. And then rereading it after Rising Storm, it's like dying pterodactyl noises. <laughs> yeah. No, see, Loden was immediately my favorite character from me the too. get-go. Like, me too. And I... And, and then like, so I, I am a little bit like Twi'leks are my favorite species. So every time there's a Twi'lek, I'm just like, yeah, Twi'lek. Um, and he's just so charming and he's so charismatic and he's so funny. He wants to yeet his Padawan off things. But then there, there's like little details. Like we wouldn't have Ember without Loden because Ember, like Loden was the one that says, she's our team member. We must brush her fur. <laughs> like he is the one that brought Loden into, uh, brought Ember into the group. And it's just like little things like that. And I, I, I was devastated by the rising storm. Oh God! Um, but I, I felt a lot better when um, uh, Brad and Sarah from Friends of the Force they did an interview with Kevin, and when Kevin said that like they had always planned from the beginning for Loden to die, like that was always the plan. It really put his. Uh, by the way, everybody, we're talking about spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, there will, spo- there spoilers, will be spoilers. A- when I, when I or Bradley, whoever edits this, because unfortunately part of me having the Zoom password now is I edit some of these episodes now. Mm-hmm. When whoever edits it, edits it, I will include, I meant to mention at the top of the show, but I just got so fucking excited to talk to you guys about this <laughs> that I forgot. I will mention up at the top of the show that there will be spoilers. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah. you should have listened to the, you should not have skipped the intro section, guys, if you got to this <laughs> point and are like, wait, Loden dies? Yes. I told you at the beginning that there were going to be spoilers for everything up to November 14th, 2021. But but what made it so like impactful, like going back and re-looking at everything like with the idea of like they purposely wrote Loden to die. It's what makes his and Bill's relationship so special. Um, Cause I, I was just on space waffles with Arzu and we were talking about all the master and Padawans with the high Republic and Loden and Bell have like the most classic master and Padawan relationship. Like they are the OG master and Padawans cause everybody else has these like weird relationships. Like we never see Vernestra and Stellan as master and Padawan. We're right. getting Keeve and skier at the end of their time Vernestra's two years older than her Padawan which is a whole mess of things but like Bell and Loden are the OG and knowing he was always like supposed to die we're still seeing how his death is rippling like um he's brought up in Out of the Shadows he's brought up um in the High Republic Adventures comics like his his importance is still there the kids ask about him 
asked about him. Oh. Farzala thinks about him when he's imprisoned. Um, and when Wreath uh, is talking to Vernestra about Emery's empath, we find out that Loden was an empath. And he's like, well, Loden used to do these things. And he's like, maybe I shouldn't talk about Loden. No one talks about that anymore. <laughs> like, so we still see the importance of his care. I could, I need I can ramble about Loden for an hour. I have. If you want to hear me ramble about Loden for an hour, go listen to Knights of Rend. R-E-R-E-N for the episode uh, Race to Crash Point Tower, because I talked for an hour about, Part we have of- a look. We have a Loden uh, memorial for like an hour. Aww. Part of the Gold Squadron Gaze brand is shouting out other podcasts on our show in the middle of things. So that is well in line with our brand. Go check out Knights of Ren, W-R-E-N. Allie's hear, so super sweet. She's one of my favorite people. To hear Hope talk about Loden and Bell. For an uh, hour. <laughs> I will say I, I have read part of Fire and Thread. I haven't read the whole thing, which is the name of Hope's fanfic. <laughs> And I haven't read, I was pretending it was a surprise, but it was very obvious from my Twitter and messages that I was reading at least part of this. It is interesting to look at how Hope kind of reverse engineers what we get. Because in that fic, obviously the fic is not canon, but the relationship between Loden and Bell is. And -hmm. it was awesome for me. I don't read a lot of fan fiction. But it was awesome for me to be reading through this thing and going, yeah, I can kind of see where the bones of the tossing bell off of the high place are and where it's a, it's kind of this exploration and not just of Loden and Bell, but she puts in like, there's this great bit with Vernestra in the concert arc. Where it's Vanessa- about all of their friends. I'm so like overwhelmed right now. Them. Like, oh my god. Uh, yeah, it's about all of their friends. Like, they, I'm I'm doing a uh, arc right now with Reith. Um, Reith coming like what it's like to be the third Padawan of Jorah and like having to live in the shadows of like Dez and Jorah's first Padawan. Oh wow. So it um so like Loden and Bell are the through line, but it's actually about all their friends. Like, there's this whole side romance of like Comac and Sai. Um, and like, and we past. will get to Comac and Sai in just a minute. They're here. my babies, <laughs> and I might, there. and I might have been right because Daniel has said that Sai is going to be in Midnight Horizon, and Daniel has liked every one of my Comac and Sai tweets. That teasing Daniel is a gem. Like Daniel was like confirmed. They're my I was babies. I love them. You guys can't see the uh, <laughs> the actual like screen because we don't release these recordings. But Hope was putting up. My fan English. art of Comac and Sai, and it's like Sai doing Comac's tie, and and mm-hmm. it's adorable. It's it's absolutely it was, adorable. It was Yalaki Yalaki art on Twitter. They they did the commission for me. So like Keeve interacts with Bell and Vernestra and Wreath in this fic, and like I didn't think about that until I read this. Like oh yeah. Keeve did grow up with these people because that's not something everybody's like the protagonist of their own story in the High Republic. You've got Wreath off doing his own thing, uh, Keeve off doing her own thing. And I don't it, take compliments well. This is like very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> I'm just gonna like lay down here. Although speaking, <laughs> speaking of uh, Daniel Jose Older, I, I had a wonderful conversation because I had responded to Queer's Watch on Twitter, who is a wonderful Twitter account. Oh, they're so they lovely. Do. They tell you if there are queers 
in a piece of Star Wars. Any they new they, Star Wars they watch that for queers. Out. That's they just great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a play on Veer's watch, but I made a comment that was like, they were saying like, the High Republic Avengers has never confirmed size pronouns at all. Yes, they oh, really? have. I, well, at the time they had not. At the time, TH, THRA had not explicitly referred to Psy by they, them pronouns in that line. They did in Race to Crash Point Tower, but at that point it was not in THRA. Oh. And I made a comment on that that said, I have read THRA twice. It seems like based on the scenes they were doing, it would have been very awkward to structure the dialogue that way. It feels like it just hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Daniel Jose Older replied to that tweet and confirmed that I was correct, that he wanted to put size pronouns in THRA, but it had to feel organic. It didn't want to feel like they were kind of twisting a line of dialogue specifically so they could do that. I'm so shocked because like I'm like my I've read I've read the Avengers comics like three or four times now, and you're I, you're right. Like, Go back I never and read it. about that. Cantum yeah, Sai is right. never referred to with any pronouns for the first like seven or eight issues of THRA. Right. Oh wow! Because they just couldn't find a place to do that. Huh. Now now I have to now I have to reread it. <laughs> I mean, oh no! I have to reread the really good comic. I actually, I actually have a really hard time with comics because when they do the chat bubble thing, there's like more than one person talking. Mm -hmm. I can't follow the dialogue. It actually you, takes it actually takes me longer to consume a comic than a book. Do you read digitally or uh, do you it, read print? Both. One thing digitally, if you turn on the dynamic view, that it makes it really easy for me. Mm is I like to do the dynamic view because they will go panel by panel and sometimes speech bubble by speech bubble. And it helps it flow a little bit better for me. I'll have to try that out. Cause I, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm not, that's why I'm generally not a big comic books person just cause like for me, when there's a lot of dialogue, I'm like, oh shit, what the hell am I supposed to read? Yeah, the, a lot of times like Marvel Unlimited which is the app I've used to read back issues of the Star Wars comics and then also the main Marvel app which is where I've been buying the upcoming comics and then also you can kind of do this IDW is garbage at publishing their stuff digitally yeah like call out absolute garbage you have to buy it on a Kindle if you're going to buy it on Amazon Kindle like you can read it on your Isn't phone it not on Comixology I don't know they, if it's. Did they lose that license? I don't I know. Used if to, it's I used on... to manage a comic book store, so like comic books are my my wheelhouse. Yeah, I I, I, I use Amazon, and it's got this like garbage, bizarre thing where you have to like have a Kindle, buy it on the Kindle, and then you can read it in color on your phone if you're going through the Amazon store. It's really bizarre. And they they have this weird subscription service where like you can read all these specific comics unlimited, but it's none of the ones you ever want to read. <laughs> Does Amazon? Because I know Marvel mm -hmm. Marvel Unlimited is how I caught up on the High Republic and how I caught up on all. I am like almost completely caught up on all. Like I'm up to War of the Bounty Hunters right now. Uh, I did. Marvel I, Unlimited. I, They're I, all I, there. I have seen some of War of the Bounty Hunters. I'm so like, not to derail, but I am beyond excited. But yeah, I'll leave it at that. I've okay. just I've just gotten to it and I'm so happy. IDW is on Comixology, but it is an Amazon company, so... Um, I usually just oh. read mine on my browser. I just find it easier to read on a browser than, but I, 
I don't own a Kindle, so either that or my phone. So I'll pick my browser every day. Neither does anybody else, apparently. <laughs> I do. I I do, but I'm like one of the only people. Mm -hmm. If they did this specifically to get me to buy a Kindle, I am glad because I read all my Star Wars books on my Kindle at work now. Try it on That's Comixology. Awesome. So Comixology. Company, well, I was gonna segue before we got into a tangent. I want to specifically address some of the queer characters in the High Republic, since uh, we are all some variety of queer here. I want to go over some of our favorites. I have a list okay. of ones that uh, someone has either expressed they want to talk about or I specifically want to talk about. And then I, I have a section for just some other ones that come up, minor ones. Uh, but I want to start with specifically the one that Hope screamed at me about over DMs. <laughs> I, I want to bring boy. up. I want to bring up our our ace rep, our ace arrow rep in the High Republic with Leox in Into the Dark, and then later Vanestra is revealed to be ace arrow in Out of the Shadows. Yeah, is Leox our first canonically ace character? No, Vimerati. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh. Though I can't, I haven't read either of Vaya's books, so I can't speak to her like anything about I forgot. About her. I never I knew that about I tweeted Vi. about this. Mm -hmm. I tweeted about how happy I was to hit that paragraph. God damn it, how did I forget about Vi Marathi? Yeah, so I, I can't talk about Vi because I haven't had the chance to read either of her books, but I hear they're great. So. They are, they're absolutely fantastic. But we can talk about Leox. Yeah, he's definitely the first High Republic uh, canonical person, right? Ace character, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. At least it's confirmed. And then Out of the Shadows, which Chris, you said you had not read yet, but you don't care about spoilers. Yeah. There's a whole paragraph where Justina Ireland lays out extremely clearly and in on impossible to miss ways, Vern does not experience sexual or romantic attraction to anyone. And it's funny because I missed it. <laughs> I missed it and then I saw Justina talking about it and I was just like really? <laughs> yeah, and, no, and I, Vern's not down with that at all. Well I, I think the reason why I it just kind of went over my head um, was I very much view Vern actually all the Padawans of they're all still trying to they're still all, all on their journey and they're all currently child soldiers in a war so um, it actually read and I for years, I've, I've actually queer coded Ahsoka as um, asexual. And so it actually read very much like Ahsoka and the Ahsoka novel to me, where uh, I think her name was Kaden, and Kaden's like, I could kiss you. And, and, and Ahsoka's like, great, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I literally just read that novel last week for the first time. And I specifically yeah. remember that scene. She's like, awesome. Well, let's go now. And that's and that's kind of how I read like the burn scene. And so like I think in my head, like the difference was I with Vernestra's age, like she's in a very transitional time anyway, on top of being a child soldier, now thrown into a war. And so it just didn't like land for me. But like where it was different with Leox, he's a whole ass adult. And he it really struck me deep because because I'm I'm asexual, and one of the worst tropes about ace characters is that they're cold and they're calculating and they're robotic and they're not very feeling. 
And Leox was never that. The first thing he does when he comes into the story is he tries to hug all the Jedi. He's just this very warm, loving individual who just accepts everybody right away. And he has this beautiful family he cares so deeply for. He cares for Geode and Affy as his family. And he's just this like gorgeous, beautiful, like in like internally beautiful person, which really hit me deep because that for one goes against all the horrible tropes about asexual people. And that, and like the, all the misconceptions is that they are not loving and warm. And when I got to the scene where he was talking about his past romance, it made me cry because that was me. Like that was me in college. Um, I, I wrote this piece on my website, uh, geekygirlexperience.com and about like me coming to terms with being asexual. And like when I was in college, I thought I was broken. I thought there was something wrong with me because I had this like wonderful partner, but I had like no urge to have sex with him. And it was, I felt like there was something wrong with me because no matter how many times I tried this thing, it just felt like unnatural and wrong. And so when I read that from Leox where he was like, yeah, I tried the sex thing and you know what? I'm the best version of myself without it. And I was in tears and I broke down and I was sobbing and I was just like, Leox is my baby. Like I had my face in my book, like laying on my bed. And it, and Leox just became this character. Um, like Loden's my favorite, but Leox is my second. And I, I think we were saying before we were recording, I can't remember if we were recording or not, but like, I'm so happy, like, every time the vessel crew shows up, but as long as they're not here, they're alive. So I'm happy that they're away too, because I don't I want to I think it's in the recording. Okay, I can't remember. Um, but like, I just, Leox just hit me so deep because we're, where Vernestra still feels like she's on her journey and like still um, not, not really about her sexuality or her, but she's still figuring out who she is as a person. Leox is there. He knows who he is as a person. It's a piece of him, it's who he is. That's his. That's who he is, and it, he just is Leox Jassy, the best version of himself. And if he is the final line of his generation, he's reached the enlightenment of his entire generational line. Like, I love him. I love him so much. Yeah, Leox gave me. I, I I know this is generally considered to be a bad thing in many circles, but I mean this in the best way possible. He gave me super positive Brosef energy, and I mm -hmm. don't. I don't associate that type of personality with asexuality, just like you said, because for the reasons that you said, like there, so many of them are depicted as cold. And my, you know, my friends in the uh, in the in the A category of LGBTQIA are all super chill, super awesome, super amazing, and they still like, you know, they still want human relationships. Just like they're just not not the same way I do, and that's totally cool. And I love that Leox was that way. I was like, you know, I love that like. He gave me like the the cool frat boy, like the open-minded frat boy energy. And when I read that interview from, uh, I think Claudia Gray was the writer for that one, mm -hmm. if I remember yes. correctly, where she said she modeled him after Matthew McConaughey in the 1990s. <laughs> I was like, that is so funny. That's exactly how he came off to me too. That's great. Have you heard the audiobook? Uh, no, that one I read. He sounds like Matthew McConaughey. From the oh, God. Someone gave direction to whoever it's narrated that. Beautiful children. Welcome um, to the vessel. Like, that's his voice. And oh, my God. And you just hear the comb back in the read just going, oh. <laughs> the audiobook for that is so good. Well, now, I need to, now I need to download it. It's a subversion of the stereotype, too, in the way. Because mm. when you think of, like, a hippie-type character, like Leox is sort of modeled after it one of the the big tenets of that movement 
in the 60s or the 70s or so when that was happening was it was a very sexual movement it's a very free love sort of mm -hmm. movement so we don't associate consciously that type of character with asexuality i really appreciated that those two were meshed that yeah. you can have a person with this personality that is also asexual and that is their complete package like yeah. i really loved the way that claudia characterized this character i also really appreciated that bit where he's like yeah sex tried it not my thing mm -hmm. that was awesome because too a lot of times those of us who are not ace there is this sort of toxic mindset amongst people who are not ace where they're like oh you just need to try it and then you'll like it you Girl, just haven't I tried, tried it, it yet. I didn't like it. I really appreciate that, that <laughs> Leox, Claudia through Leox drew that line in the sand to say, no, I have tried it and I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah and I'm fine cool. without it. And I am not an incomplete person without it. It's just not a thing that I need. And, and so much of it is society. Like I, I remember sitting with, uh, I'm, I'm the middle child of like many sisters. Um, and I would just remember sitting with my, like my two sisters and they were just both going on like, Oh, I haven't had sex in a month. I haven't had sex in weeks. Like, Oh my God. And I'm just sitting here going, I haven't had sex in four years. What's wrong with me? <laughs> and it's just this societal thing that's put on us that like, you're worthy. You can only have worthy relationships if you have sex, which is not true. And it's, it was so good just to see that he, like Leox is this thriving character with like a job and a family and he respects life. Like one of my favorite scenes is when the Night Hill are attacking with the Dringir, Leox has the scene where he takes out his blaster and he has an, an entire internal monologue going, I know when I pick this up, I'm going to take a life and that is a bad thing, but I'm doing this to save Appy. Mm -hmm. And it's it's such a, like a sweet moment. And when he actually finds her, like he pulls her into her and like, like practically carries her out because he loves her so much like you can have a full life and like ace people do want partners it's just that the we want partners we want romance we want love it's just different from like the societal norm but it doesn't make it wrong and i think that's like the biggest misconception is we still want love and affection and human connections leox is a character that seems to very much value those connections Mm -hmm. like as a mm -hmm. as a character he puts a lot of value onto that the way he interacts with Affy, the way he interacts with geode like you think the way he interacts with the jedi like he's immediately oh, yeah. friends with them like let's all remember leox is the one that saves dez's life <laughs> like he is the one in the end that saves dez because he's just like take these spices and come like what are you doing he's like it's medicinal but like he makes those immediate connections with the Jedi. And um, like, I would love for, like, I can I can just imagine if Leox popped up in Midnight Horizon, like him and Comac would just be bros all over again. Like they would just reconnect and then just still be friends and still have that strong connection with each other. While Retha and Athe are like, so let's talk about our teenage trauma. <laughs> but like, because Comac's not really like that different from Leox in a lot of ways. Like he's kind of the outcast Jedi. He's the one that's kind of living on this, the, the fridges of his organization. Like him and Leox are totally buds and like cut from the same claw. Yeah, Leox gives me like Hondo Onaka energy yeah, yeah. if we were supposed to like Hondo Onaka. I love Hondo I Onaka. Love Hondo. The keyword, if we were supposed to like Hondo Onaka, we, we do. don't like Hondo Onaka. No, he is Ezra's uncle. <laughs> he yeah, has that is a, for damn sure. 
That he has an sure. ugnot boyfriend. How dare you? <laughs> I just I am I am in the middle of forcing my my partner to watch Rebels. And we just introduced Hondo. No context. Hasn't seen Clone Wars. Just introduced Hondo. And it, at the end of the episode, he's like, I love this guy, but I'm not sure why. Because he's he, Jim Cummings. Because yeah, because Jim Cummings. Is he going? Is he going with you to Disneyland? No. No, uh, he's coming on a later trip with me. We've got okay. a full party. We've got a full party that's been in place for, for context, when we're recording this, we're six days out from my first trip to, to Disneyland. We have a full party that's been planned for over, over two and a half years to go to Galaxy's Edge with me. So this is going to be a thing. And I will see, how old do Weequays live? Is it possible that, like, Leox and Hondo could have met? I, I, I... You know, I did have that question uh, with my with, with Steph a long time ago. Is how long can we Weequays live? Because uh, Hondo is still around, at least between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So, because that's doing where it, fine. You're doing, like, he looks he, great. He looks. He's still fucking. He's still Hondo. He's still screwing people over and taking up my damn 90. credits. And you know, up to ninety. Oh, you want to have a real like heartbreaking moment that I realized? What? Wookiees live a long time, so theoretically, Burry could live to Order 66. Enjoy! Why the fuck would you say that? Oh, Why the fuck would you say that? No, no, I invite, I invite you onto my show. Well, thanks, everybody. And you bring to that energy into the fucking hell. Oh, my God. That's... Actually, uh, well, like, right fast, if, if, have either of you listened to Pirate's Price on audiobook? No. No. It's fantastic because it's a it's a young, like a young reader's book. But I highly suggest everybody to listen to Pirate's Price on audiobook because it's read by Jim Cummings and it's first person point of view Hondo. And it's just Hondo in a cantina telling somebody's stories. So it's uh, all, and he, and he oh does his God. own sound effects. So he'd be like, and then I ran in there and the blasters were firing. Pew, 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 pew. And, it, and it's just, it's like you're sitting with Hondo and he's telling you a story. I need this in my life immediately. Did. Pirates Price is amazing. Please go listen Chris, to that. Chris, please tell, tell Steph about this. I'm I'm looking it up right now, and I'm totally gonna totally gonna read it. Absolutely. The, yeah, the, the audio. Oh book my is god, just, it's it's so good. Before we move off of like the Ace characters, I do I don't want to discredit Burn just because like it didn't hit for me because it is so important to have a teenage character who is Air Ace, and because so especially because asexuality is like the kind of still wobbly wibbly wobbly part of like the lgbtq umbrella that's really misunderstood a lot yeah so i i do i i do want to like touch base on burn that she is still just as important as the character even if she didn't hit for me but i out of the shadows isn't my favorite but that's because i wanted more comic <laughs> i think one one nice thing and and i'll definitely get to this when we get to an, another queer character down the line on my list but one of the important things to me about the way where high republic diversifies its queer characters is there's somebody in there that a lot of different identities and people on stages of their journey can relate to so somebody who's a little bit older who's been through the world a little bit is going to relate more to leox because Leox is older and he's been through the world and he's come to terms with who he is. Whereas Vern 
is this kind of snowballing gifted kid. I don't know what I'm doing energy, but still also is Ace Arrow representation. So Ace Arrow, younger teenagers who are questioning themselves or have already come to the realization that that's part of their identity can see that in her and relate to her. And I think it's an awesome thing that the High Republic does when it makes sure it has queer characters on every, not only tons of, of places on the spectrum of the LGBTQIA plus community, but at different stages in their lives. Yeah, like I, I, I write about animation over at the Geeky Waffle. I do reviews for both the Owl House and Amphibia. And I've written about this before with the Owl House, which is just this very gay show on Disney Channel. And they've, they've broken huge milestones, like having the first openly bisexual character on Disney Channel, the first non-binary character on Disney Channel. And Disney did not like this. Disney, there's, Disney there's a lot of- Disney is stupid and wrong. Hey. No, 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 no. The reason it, it it's because it's serialized and it's hard to have a serialized show on a channel that prefers to have episodic episodes. Yeah. Um, yep. That that's the real reason. And it, it was hitting a it wasn't hitting its target demographic. It was hitting thirty year old adults like me. Um, yeah. That that that's a that's a problem with uh, television. A lot of people don't know is that they are going after key demographics to feed into their business model. And that show got a much much older audience than what Disney Channel is trying to get to. Uh, I still think it has a possibility of living on Disney Plus in the future, but I, I don't think it was a house. I've currently been watching it as well. And I definitely like watching through it, not to tangent too much, but definitely watching through it. I can see where the serialized elements would make it difficult. And I can also see where queer kids who became queer adults who didn't see the representation that they wanted when they were yeah. kids could go back and, and intensely watch this show with a fervor that they would have watched it when they were kids. Exactly. And, and that's kind of the point I was going to make about Vern is the importance of normalization. Um, because I didn't grow up with that. Like my queer representation was like Sailor Neptune and Sailor Uranus, but uh, from Sailor Moon. <laughs> I'm but sorry, you mean is, the cousins? Yeah, and that's what I was about to say. Cousins and how they would rather they show are. them as cousins than lesbians because incest is apparently better than gays. Like, and so like that was so detrimental to me as a person. Like, as a, I remember a teenage as a teenager, like it actually made me mad because I felt ashamed that I was queer, and it's to have this kind of like normalization of young media now. So like all these like really queer shows are coming out, and to go back to Vern, it's so important to have this young queer person in these younger books so these like these new baby gays that are coming up behind us like they can have that and know it's okay and like some like person who's like questioning they'll have these characters to grow up with and that's why normalization is so important and even people and and I don't want to spoil this story too much because it's a story I specifically want to tell about queer up in the high republic mm -hmm. when it comes to one specific character but it's important too for people outside of those identities mm -hmm. to see that representation as well mm -hmm. to understand what that is and how to relate to it better so somebody looking at like the idea of like the santec is just being a gay couple and being there Mm -hmm. And nobody yeah. treats them any differently in light of the Jedi because they're husbands and they're there. Now, they're not great people. I love that. <laughs> which is another thing the High Republic does is you can have your queer characters and they cannot necessarily be great people. But see, it's that, important that, that, to see I them happen there. 
that right there is why I love the High Republic. Like, yeah, you have all this representation. And just like in our reality, there are some shitty members of the LGBTQIA community. Like, just some absolutely horrible people. Oh, yeah. So many. So mm -hmm. many. And we're uh, we're awful to each other. Yeah. Like, within, within I've, I've told this story off the air before, but, like, even after I came out, I struggled a lot with a lot of internalized transphobia and a lot of just not understanding the trans community when I was around my late teens, early 20s. And I had to learn that, learn how to not be a shitty person. And part of how I learned to not be a shitty person was normalization in media. Mm -hmm. And being able to read media with trans characters and non-binary characters and be like, oh, that makes sense. I see that, how I have been shitty in my thought process. I need to change that. Yeah, like I'm, I'm by ace and bisexual erasure is a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've had people tell me to my face I wasn't queer enough to be bi because I happened to be dating a man at the time. And I'm like, no, I'm still, don't be that way. And like, it sucks. Like we, we treat each other so crappily sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something that like we as a community definitely have to work on. And yeah, one thing that's really great about the High Republic is it shows a lot of different different identities and does it in the context of these stories. So you can kind of, under and it through the context of these characters. So you can kind of understand, okay, you know, like the exploration of asexuality through Leox and Vern, two different ways, two different approaches to it, but it's there and you can understand it a little bit better by going, oh, it's like Leox or so, like how Vern does it. Someone drew some really cute fan art for me because I was just like, I need this as a picture of, and it's like Leox and Vern giving each other a high five with Geode having a flag and uh, like an ace flag in the background falling off the top of him. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I have to and dig I it up. I have it somewhere saved on my computer. Yeah, actually, I, I, I do want to have a moment with uh, Vern for a second because, you know, I wasn't too familiar with her the first time I met her since I met her in Rising Storm the first time. Stellan Geos, uh, lost, I lost a lot of respect for him. Hope you may not know this, but I have a, I have a serious issue with Obi-Wan Kenobi because I think that he was a really shitty master to Anakin. Mm, and I see that. He was a really yeah. shitty master to Ahsoka. <laughs> and, yep, yep, yep. It it was a cycle. Uh, and do you just want to call stuff out directly on the show, or do you want to kind of go uh, sneakily with it like that? Well, I don't think Steph disagrees that Obi Wan was a. I mean, I don't. We haven't we haven't talked about it recently. It was more of a debate early in our podcast, but I don't think Stephanie disagrees that Obi Wan may not have been the most supportive master for Anakin. I think we agree that Qui-Gon would have been a better master for Anakin than Obi-Wan would have been. Maybe I just personally enjoy inflaming the drama between you and Steph every oh, we'll, time we'll, one of you come we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But um, there was that scene at the end of the book where they're, you know, uh, Vern is joining the fight and they're starfighters. And G uh, uh, Stellan just calls her ass out in front of all the other Jedi for crashing ships. And I'm, I'm sure he, I know he met it in jest and Vern took it that way. But I was like... Are you fucking kidding me right now? At this very moment, you're going to make a joke like that. And you want to make a joke about that? How, how do you think she learned how to do that, Stellan? She learned it by watching you. Right. Who does not know how to fly very well, apparently. Just saying. I do love that running gag in uh, 
it's it comes up a lot in Into the Shadows. It's kind of a running gag that Vern is constantly crashing ships. I mean, but she Stellan is. crashed <laughs> more ships. <laughs> oh. All right, I'm anyway. big ready to like write a scene of that in my fanfiction in the yeah. next episode where, where like where Loden's like Stellan you got here and you didn't die <laughs> you didn't crash a ship and he's Good like job. he's like yes I did not crash the ship I am good. And in the background, you see like the autopilot is turned on and blinking. <laughs> so you mentioned Comac a minute ago. <laughs> and that'll transition us over uh, for reasons that we'll come up with in a, just a second, in case people did not know by virtue of having hope in here that this is going to come up. Let's talk about Cantum Psy. Hey, babe. The, it's so funny, like, how, like, fandom brain works, because at this time that we're recording on November 14, 2021, they're kind of barely a character. <laughs> like, I, I've actually talked to, like, three different people who didn't realize that Psy was Lula's master. Like, because it, it just, ah. Uh, Psy uh. is also Yoda's former Padawan, like. So cool. What? Yeah, Kanto yeah. Sai yeah. is Yoda's former Padawan. My like, God, they apprentice directly for Yoda. Yoda is definitely Yoda definitely has quite the record for the amount of Padawans he has. I just want I just wanted something where like Yoda's just like training Dooku, and it's just like Dooku, why do you like this? God, I wish you were more like Sai. <laughs> <laughs> Dick would be like, I don't want to be like someone who's dead. I want to be me. And that's how it started. Here's, here's what I appreciate about Cantum Psy, though. Here's what I love. I love two things about them as, as a non-binary character. One, that they're human, which mm. there is a bad tendency in sci-fi. I love Tarek and Sarek. I love them to death. I think they're a wonderful pair of characters. Mm -hmm. But there's sort of a problem with non-binary characters being portrayed as alien in some way. They also and have the Weasley twin thing where neither one of them are their own individual and where they're just kind of meshed together. Are they? Are They, they are now. <laughs> they are, are, are they... for the moment because they're not having a good time in the High Republic comics. No, they're not. No, they're not. Um, are they considered a dyad in the Force? That I don't know. That is an excellent. Somebody needs to ask Cav on on Twitter. Are Tarek and Sarah a dyad in the Force? But what I appreciate about Psy is that they are human. They're not portrayed as an alien. They're not portrayed as as something that's sort of out there in sci-fi. They're just a human that uses they them pronouns. And what I also appreciate, and this would have been super helpful to me when I was getting my head around the non-binary identity is a lot of times we think of non-binary characters as androgynous characters. Mm -hmm. We conflate those two in our heads. And Psy has like, they have the sideburns and they have their majestic hair and they don't have this completely androgynous feature, but they're still non-binary. That identity is still valid and they still use they then pronouns. And that's something I personally think is really awesome about the character. Something that I've been meaning to ask Daniel, because it actually, at first it really bothered me about the High Republic Avengers comics, um, but I actually have grown to really appreciate it, is no two images of Psy in like the first arc are the same. Like sometimes they look very masculine and sometimes they look very feminine. And, and sometimes they're just Psy. And 
they have that same kind of like derpy face that all background characters have when they're in the background. <laughs> I love the art in the High Republic Adventures. I truly I know. do. I know. There's 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 a great like face like where they're in the background is just like two dots in a line <laughs> for the map, and I, that's my favorite. Um, but like, so I, I do have always wondered if that's on purpose because sometimes like there'll be three pictures of Sai on the same page and none of them are the same, which is why I think there is some like confusion when they dropped that final, like who will survive the falling of Twilight or Starlight Beacon. Um, oh. it's, my, it's my phone wallpaper right now. Like, I no almost joke. said Twilight Sparkle and that's definitely My Little Pony. I've got, uh, <laughs> I've got is uh, Sai, yes, Sai and Comac who are uh, interestingly right next to each other on this official piece of artwork. They are included in the crop that made it onto my. That's gonna, that's gonna break my heart when that happens. Oh, uh, I, uh, yeah. But I, no, I, I like size so far. Um, so mm. I'm very interested to get more into them because yes. um, as I was saying, like one of the issues that I have when it comes to the young adult books and stuff, like I'm, I'm currently holding Crash Point Tower is because it's from Lula's point of view and same thing with the higher public adventures, all the young adult books don't actually have a lot of adults in it. Like size in the beginning and then they fuck right off for the rest of the book and they're gone. And I think that bothers me because as somebody who does study animation um, and, and animation is very different beast from books, from young adult right. books. So, but like adults play such important roles in like kids and in, in, in young adult media. You know, like we don't have a, a Cora without a Tenzin. We don't have a Luce without an Edith Owl Lady. Like adults play these important roles. So it's been such a bothersome thing that like, we just got to the Takodana arc in the High Republic of, uh, Adventure comics and Sai and, and Buck just walk off into the forest. And I'm like, no. <laughs> also, where's Farzala's master? They just introduced Farzala's master and now he's gone. Like. And like, so that has been a bit of a pet peeve because like Sai has technically been there, but we haven't really gotten into them that much as a character, which is why I'm really excited about the baking comic, the bake-off comic. Oh, yes. I'm like, oh, I'm just so excited for it. But like, so like they're a character that I really want to know more about because all we really have gathered is that they're good with a blade, they're good at flying, and they're the person that Lula cares for most in the universe even though they've never been on a solo journey together. <laughs> they've never been one-on-one -on -one together because Zine is always there. But we can infer stuff like- God, Lula, stop bringing your fucking girlfriend to, to every- Actually, though- Master I student outing. I, I actually- like, I come on. Marked, though, that's really interesting because I think, I think Zine is technically size Padawan now too, because when Sai talks about Lula and Zine, um, they talk about their Padawans plural and even Vernestra says to Sai your paddle ones plural so I think Zine is technically hmm. now size paddle one too I I um, believe they couldn't make her like an official Jedi she's the she's under the table paddle one <laughs> she's like the under the table paddle one that like internally in the Starhopper group people are like oh yes yeah, she's a paddle one but if anybody from like the council asks no we're not no training. no 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 no, no, no. It's fine, it's fine, yeah it's fine. So no, like, everything's I, everything's above board here. So I, I just I just want more of Psy because I think they have the potential to be such a fascinating character, but we have like so little of them. But like I will say as a fanfic fic writer, that's so much fun because we have so little of them. I can make up whatever the fuck I want about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean Psy? that's kinda that's kinda what Star Wars fans do, right? Like if you know, 
say there was a character that was in a shot for five seconds, they suddenly have yeah. a whole anthology of like fanfic, and I love that. Is that not what us from a certain point of view is with like the twenty cantina chapters? Yeah, we we those. don't we don't talk about certain expansions uh, of characters and from a certain point of view here. Uh, we we don't acknowledge mouse droids on this show. What? That's all I'm. That's all I'm gonna say. We, we don't acknowledge back certain and mouse corrected droid that on Wikipedia. Characters. You know. Did they? Because when they I did. when I checked, it was explicit on Wikipedia who they're mm. talking about in that section. They it's been changed. So, that's because because I looked it up about a year ago because Chris was making a joke. My Chris, not you. That's okay. Somebody somebody already started Tarkin talk, and that somebody knows who they are and what they did. Anyway, I don't know who they are. So yeah. Uh, oh no, someone I'm did not, a thing. I'm not gonna put them on blast. Uh, but I, I, I do know that another Star Wars podcast co-host is the one who created Tarkin Talk on TikTok. Well, we did say that's one of the good things about the High Republic <laughs> is how there's a range of queer characters and some of them can be assholes. Uh, uh, the, yeah, war criminals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, genocidal. Uh, at least they're all, they're not all Peter Cushing. I would just delightful. prefer if my partner would stop referring to him as genocide daddy. That would be nice. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh, genocide. <laughs> genocide me, daddy. I told what? you. He has not, he does, he has little Star Wars exposure outside of Rebels. So when Tarkin showed up, he was like, oh, daddy. I was like, no, no, no. That man is a war criminal. That man did the genocide. I don't care if he's gay. He did You're gonna the genocide. stand Peter Cushing, stand him, and Sherlock Holmes. He is brilliant as Sherlock. Do not stand Tarkin. That's true. And my partner turns to me, he's like, "Genocide, Daddy." I'm like, "No, stop genocide it, Daddy." <laughs> oh no, no, that, I. That's one of those things you laugh because it's so uncomfortable and you it's don't so know what awful, else to do. But it's so true. I know that. Uh, Dark Side Divas, which is Chris's show, just covered the Citadel arc a couple of episodes ago. That was like 20 and, years ago. Yeah, and <laughs> afterwards I, I sent Chris a message about something related to Tarkin that was not mm. related to his gayness. But I think we eventually did get on that topic. Ugh, Tarkin. Mm. There'll be there'll be much more for Dark Side Divas to talk about with Tarkin when when they get to uh they get to Rebels. Yeah, a lot more. And especially yeah. the, the Ahsoka trial arc in Clone Wars. Returning to Cantum Psy, I, I do agree with what Hope is saying. I do want to see more of them, especially since they are such a landmark character in being non-binary representation, which is one of the most often misunderstood identities as far as people just understanding that concept and wrapping their head around it. I'm having trouble with a coworker right now who I'm having to explain to her the concept of you call the people by the pronouns they ask you to call them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what they look like to you. If they say their pronouns are this, this is what you refer to them as. It is not that difficult of a concept. But it's, it's almost like it's almost human decency. It's almost it's almost yeah, like it's, it's the respect. same as their name. 
Like if they tell you what their name is, you don't say, well, you look a little bit more like this. So I'm going to call you that. No, it's not that fucking hard, guys. My favorite is when you tell somebody that there's they, them pronouns in the Bible and you can just watch their head slowly. <laughs> what, what do you think, Chris? Because like I, I can go off on like fangirl tangent of my thoughts on the side. You know, I don't have that much of an opinion, uh, quite frankly, on them. Um, that, Maybe that's the problem. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Now, like I said, there are there are big uh, empty spaces in my high uh, my high republic knowledge. Now, have you you read have you read THRA yet? Mm, no, but you it have interests- read Race to Crash Point Tower. Yeah, I'm getting there. Okay, honestly, Race to Crash Point Tower is pretty substantial as far as Cantum Psy content goes. I was confused. So, when does that book fall in the timeline? Because it came it's, out. It, it takes place side by side with Valo. Um, I would actually argue that like Zine, Lula, and Ram are the true heroes of the Rising Storm because they're the ones they are. that they they're the ones that get the radio tower fixed so everybody can finally talk to each other. Oh my god. They actually they have like a neat scene. There's a scene in a jail cell with uh Ram and Ty Yorick, who we will get to in just a second. Uh but it's I love Ty so much. Ways. And if we get to if we read the scene in the rising storm, it's very adult. Like Ty, it's from Ty's perspective. Ty is an adult. Ty is perceiving it a certain way. Yeah. Ram is a child. So when we get to Ram's perspective and Ram's quote unquote memory of it, which is being recounted in, in race to crash boy tower, he remembers it slightly differently than Ty does. So I find that interesting where was where was Ram when when it happened? Uh, oh, he lived on Valo. He was a he Padawan was at the he was that he was a Padawan at the Valo Temple. That's his home world. Oh, so, so I, I I love Crash Point Tower's Dren gear. That's my favorite version of the Dren gear. I call them the food blogger Dren gear because there's a great <laughs> scene where they're like looking at Lula, Zine, and Ram, and they're just like. Are these meats salty meats? Maybe they're sweet meats. And I'm just like waiting for like Gordon Ramsay drink gear to come in and just be like, the meat is raw. <laughs> like I'm just waiting for <laughs> But they're like, oh, that meat is paired well when it's like extra frustrated. Like that's a chewy meat. <laughs> I'm just like, they're food bloggers. Oh my God, this is the best. The Edge of Balance manga introduces some interesting new powers to the drink gear. Yeah, they do. Like the drink gear, even though they're sealed away, as of the main comic issue nine, even though the great progenitor is sealed away, they're still doing interesting, retroactively doing interesting things with the drain gear. That is something I like about High Republic is they're not allowed, they're, they're not afraid to allow themselves to, here is the threat, we resolve the threat, we move on. We're going to give you some more context later, but we're not going to spend like 20,000 years fighting the same villain. You just reminded yeah. me of that comic because... Comac Vitus's hair in that comic <laughs> is so glorious. At all times, his hair is wafting in the wind. There's not a single panel where drama gay Comac Vitus, his hair is not just glorious in that comic. And I'm just like, someone knows what they're doing here. Someone knows how to. I do want to ask before we move on to our next uh, canonically queer character that I want to talk about. Uh, speaking of Cantum Psy and Comac Vitus, uh, Hope is a big. Uh, Cy Comac shipper, and I wanted to ask. You could her, say I created. <laughs> I wanted to ask her uh, why. Why is that? It's not as interesting as it sounds. I promise. 
<laughs> I just want to get it on the you, record. It's not that interesting. I want to. I want to give you a space on a podcast because I I know that Jedi's and Jedi doesn't really give you a chance to do that in depth. So just directly, what is it about that ship that appeals to you? Mm. It's it's not a very interesting story. I promise, because it actually kind of comes from um, my own experiences as a queer person. So we had Sai, and when I was writing my fanfic. I knew all the adults would be friends with Loden. So naturally they would all be friends with each other. So they would all know each other. So like there's a scene in like chapter three where Sai's like, oh, Kalex back on planet and I'll go have tea with them tomorrow or something. Like it was a very throwaway scene. Um, so I had them all as friends and hanging out. So it wasn't that big of a thing. But when I found out that Kalex was queer, something really cl- clicked in my brain. And for one, it put so much of uh, like into the dark perspective. Like when he like appears dramatically in the archives behind, beside Wreath and he just like comes into his cubicle with his hood up. He's like, let's do treason. <laughs> like I'm just like, he is a drama gay. Like this all makes sense now. Like oh it God. just, it fits together. He is, and like when he, his, like Comac's natural ability is to levitate. So when he like levitates down like Jedi Jesus, he's like, be still everyone. I was like, yes you are jesus jedi superstar yes you are look at you um like it just it all made sense to me but really then when i found that out the simple answer is they're the only queer adults and in my my experience like queer people just tend to congregate together we always tend to kind of find each other out because of a community like i'm i'm part of a very very queer convention which is 221 vcon and it's a Sherlock Holmes convention, but it's also very gay. <laughs> like we, like we are like eighty five. No, there's crossover between the Sherlock Holmes fandom and the queer community. The yeah. story about the, <laughs> the man living with his totally platonic yeah life partner. Bro, it's fine. Life partner they, roommate. They go on to like make beehives together. It's fine. No, but like I, I found when I joined that convention. Um, which I must say is like 85% women, non-binary, and trans men. Like that is like the the people who go to that convention. Um, it was the first convention where I've ever been to a con with gender neutral bathrooms. Like, oh wow, it, it was so cool. Um, and it became a community, and we all just kind of congregated together because we don't get that in our real lives. And that was really what happened with Sign Comac. Like they were the like Vern is a child. So she's not hanging out with like Loden or anything like that. Um, he's not taking her out in like bar vendors or anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it was just that they were the two queer adults. So I started like thinking about this and about like what their relationship would look like. And so like it, that's really the non-interesting story is they were the two queer adult characters of the Jedi. So I just made a romance for them. And I might have been right because Daniel said that size in Midnight Horizon. He likes a lot of my tweets of Seth Comeck and Sai. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I wanted specifically to ask about that because when I think about Sai and Comac, which I didn't think of until you started tweeting about it, I'm like, that that does make sense because Sai is so reserved and is a baker and is a teacher. And Comac is out here being uh, Dr. Afra a full 250 years before Dr. Afra would come along and be Dr. Afra. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Stan, Stan Shelley uh, Afra always. Uh, when are we getting our, our animated series about her? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe someday in the future. You never know. Keep asking for it. Yep. 
They, uh, Lucasfilm, I am always available to write for these things. I live in Los Angeles. You, 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 I don't even have to remote in. You can hire me. I'll make the drive. I'll make the drive to Anaheim. Right. I swear to God, or, or wherever your offices are, I'll do it. I thought there was, I'll, I thought they were I'll in the move Bay to Area. San Francisco. I will move to San Francisco. Hire me. <laughs> Looking at those two, they're kind of opposites, but there's also like similarities. So like, it just sort of makes, made sense when I thought about it. Yeah, and and honestly, there's just a need for like queer romances, especially with Jedi. Like, we have Elzar and Avar, and I love them, but like we've had that kind of thing before. And to have like a queer Jedi romance was something that I, I kind of really wanted to see and have and play with and write about. And um, where they are in my story is they actually broke up to their exes. Um, and what i have not gotten to that part and they're rekindling but spoiler spoiler sorry sorry Spo- but spoiler. like you know i did i did say there would be spoilers and i did yeah. chastise people for uh, how many people are actually going to go read my story it's fine um but like you know i always try to write them as humans first and jedi second because that is i can't remember if it was kevin or um charles who said it but one of them said that they always write want to write all these characters as humans first and jedi second because that's what actually and and because that's what separates them from the prequel jedi where you have someone like obi-wan who puts his jedi duties first before his people um and and that's the reverse chris to his detriment to his shaking his head Mm -hmm. on on the recording like the minute hope started saying that chris started being like oh well no hope hope is correct it's just that you know that's the part of the problem with the the jedi in the clone wars era is that they forgot they lost their way because they lost their you know whatever the equivalent is of humanity because they're not all human but like their their ability to be real people they Mm -hmm. stopped fucking and they stopped allowing (laughs) gates this is canonical this is correct the jedi lost their way when they stopped fucking and they stopped being gay Mm-hmm. There's there's a difference between Obi Wan saying like looking at Anakin and just being like, "Hey, how's Padme?" because he can't say it as a Jedi, and going, "Hey, I know about you and Padme. I'm here." Those are two different things, and Anakin can only see one of them. He's seen the Jedi side of things. Ugh, it's true. And I I swear to God, there are there are moments there are moments throughout the Clone Wars and through the films where if two Jedi would have just approached each other as humans and not as Jedi, things would have... Like, I feel like in Rising Storm, there is a serious crisis averted when Elzar comes to Stella yeah. and is like, hey, I use the dark side. Yep. I need your help. For a in a minute. really big way. <laughs> and Stellan's reaction is... And it shocked me when I read the book. Mm-hmm. Like, it shocked me to my core, Stellan's reaction to this. Because I'm so used to the prequel era Jedi who was like, well, we're going to lock you in the Citadel now. Yeah, yeah, we're going to deject you from the order. You can't talk to anybody anymore. Stellan's like, Stellan's like, look, I understand you. You made a mistake. It happens. We're going to talk about it. We're going to work through it. We can't do it right now. But I need you to understand that I'm your friend and I'm here for you. I mean, to kind of, I know it's later on in the outline, but to kind of touch on like something I feel like that's going to happen in later phases. I think we're going to be seeing the shift into like the the council because they're not this war and they have to change how they do things, try and change how they like close down communications and take away these freedoms to kind of go into that more dogmatic version of the Jedi that we have. And how's that? Like, I could just see uh, Elzar take one look at that and just be like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> like, 
like he's not going to take it. But I feel like that's going to be the later phases is them starting to clamp down on this like freedom to where like Orla can be a way seeker and go off and do her own thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel like those things are going to be taken and stripped away from them. And it's going to really affect them as people because they're going to start having to put their duty first and not their humanity. We do know at least one Jedi master, uh, thanks to Dooku Jedi lost, who will walk away from the order. Mm-hmm. We know that Keeve Trennis will eventually walk away from the order and mm-hmm. that whatever happened, uh, it will be heartbreaking to the point that Yoda remembers it 150 years later. I feel like she's the one that's in- standing there right beside Elzar going, fuck that. <laughs> like the two of them are like, bye, <laughs> let's go. Fuck this, we're out. Elzar man, the the gayest straight man I've ever read in anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> We, ha- we have to have at least one problematic Jedi, and that's it. We do. Elzar, I, I, I love Elzar because I maintain that Elzar is straight. And the mm. reason that I'm... Here's why. Here's why. Here's my reasoning. Elzar man fucks up in spectacular ways oh my that God. only a straight man can fuck up. I okay so like the scene where you know he hooks up with what's her name and misses the whole morning the next day <laughs> I mean literally caught with his pants down gets literally caught with his pants that happened to me two weeks ago okay so I'm not sad. like <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wake up at Apollo Bodies I'm like oh shit I have a zoom meeting in five minutes I need to run over and I forgot to like put my shirt on properly and I, I literally look 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 the mess on zoom yeah, I just, I, I look at Elzar and I'm like, the decisions he makes where he's like, it's all about me. I am, he's so concerned with his vision. So he's like running around. But he doesn't he's tell so any, concerned. but he doesn't tell but anybody doesn't about tell it. Anyone. Which I, that's like, I'm like, that is so like. That is so heterosexual man of you. He, yeah, to not true. talk about what's wrong with you. That's true, because a gay guy would have been like, girl. I think I would have I saw the shit. Would have like summoned the council, would have gone to the group chat immediately, been like, he came girl. with his own like, glasses of wine to like sell in. I need to talk to you. Like just dumped the mimosa jar down onto the desk and be like, girl. Girl. Quiet. He needs to go to Comac. Comac could be like, girl, tell me everything. Pour me one. <laughs> I love to tell my my straight white man friends uh, because I fortunately I do have them. Uh, <laughs> I do love to say, look, the High Republic represents everybody. Look, you're in here too. There's a straight <laughs> white man who makes terrible fucking decisions and screws everything up all the time for everyone. It's the representation you truly deserve. Elzar, Elzar is just so good at being inappropriate uh, at, at the most wonderful times at least as a reader probably not for him but like i, I remember a friend of mine saying elzer man is the jedi most likely to take a selfie at a at a funeral so he gets yeah, so, so, you know so sent it to a girl you know that meme of the guy like kneeling beside the gravestone like flashing a peace sign like that's elzar right there yeah <laughs> but he's also the character that like i would not be surprised if came out as like pan or omni like just being, like if it breathes i love it i will i will retract my statement if that turns out to, if he comes out as Pan later, then he's just I a will retract game, my statement because then he's just a disaster gay, which, yeah, I could also see that. I mean, that's what Afra is. She's a disaster lesbian. So. Mm-hmm. Afra is a delight. 
Afra is a queen and we stand her in this house. She can be a queen and a disaster lesbian at the same time. They're this not like true. mutually She's exclusive. a queen because she's a disaster. She's proper gay representation because she's such a disaster. Yeah. And I look at this and go, yes, yes, this is how my life also goes. Speaking of uh, Elzar, I want to talk about Elzar's uh, Bicon bestie, Ty Yorick. Ty is my favorite character in like everything. Like I love how what a badass she is. Um, I I I was a little thrown thrown off when I uh, when I first read her because you know obviously they it didn't explicitly state she was force force sensitive until when she got into the shit. Um, but when they busted out with that, I was like, oh, interesting. I I hope they don't do something lame like she turns out to be an apprentice of some Sith somewhere or something like that. But no, she's totally like this chaos beast does what she wants whenever she wants. She didn't give a damn. If you steal her lightsaber, she's going to come and whip your ass. Like, I love that. That was the best. Like a Jedi, if they steal your lightsaber, it's like, I will be serene and calm about this. And Ty Yorick is like, no, I will throw hands. Yeah. We well, are she, going to scrap. Give me I think my it was, shit back. I think she hit Elzar in the head with a blunt object, like trying to kill him. <laughs> What well, what I like about Ty though is because she has that like this is my second Gordon Ramsay like thing of the the night because um, you know how in, like Hell's Kitchen he like screams at the adult but like in the Master Chef Juniors he's like oh sweet babies that's Ty so like when she's with Elzar she's like smacking him with blunt objects but in Crash Point Tower like with Ram and Lula and Zine she's like babies here's your dragon go go be careful guys okay have fun be safe but except for uh, at one point she calls them younglings and Lula's like excuse you we're Padawans and Ty looks her right in the face and goes whatever (laughs) (laughs) i don't give a fuck yeah i don't i don't but Mm -hmm. like she's so sweet to the kids she's like just be careful guys go kill things go go kill things for mommies tayoric is the fucking awesome you're awesome like by aunt that you love who shows up already pre-gamed to the family christmas dinner and she's like okay kids here's your dragon don't tell mommy and daddy avar and stellan she's that deep (laughs) lifestyle but she has both dual incomes (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah she's definitely not a moral compass character but uh um definitely one of my favorites i i'm so glad that there is a force sensitive character that is not a jedi or a sith or whatever she's just doing her her thing and i love that i am looking forward because it isn't explicitly confirmed in the text uh she really only expresses an interest in women in rising storm and so a lot of people thought that she was a lesbian initially and the authors have said no she's she's bisexual i think i think they've said See, it See, i read her like joe like as much as she smacked elzar around like them when they had their force connection um that like there was a moment of like oh no he's cute i hate it <laughs> oh i must have completely missed that well there was also also that part where she saw uh uh avar in her in his head mm-hmm. and she was like uh and Elzar said something like, oh, you think I'm attractive or something like that? She's like, no. And and she points out, but Avar is more of my type. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, in fairness, Avar Chris is a goddess among men. So it, it, Yeah, she's like that paragon Jedi, obviously. I find so. her so boring. Exactly. <laughs> she <laughs> hasn't. I feel bad because she got introduced in Light of the Jedi. And she was like a main character of that book. And then she hasn't done a whole lot. 
the well, sides kind of play. Well, she became she became the symbol that's over, like you know, the hero of yeah. Well, well Stellan, I don't know. I see Stellan. I'm not Stellan's just not my favorite character in, in the whole him. in the whole series. Like he's okay. He's a prototypical Jedi. Actually, you know, those three like also Elzar too. Like um, I don't find those three interesting, but like because Avar is one of the main characters of the Marvel comics. Um, yes. Which is actually probably my biggest gripe of the High Republic is it has Kingdom Hearts syndrome where Kingdom Hearts kept platform jumping to different systems. So if you didn't own all the systems, you missed parts of the story. Um, so like if you never played Birth by Sleep, when you get to Kingdom Hearts 3, you don't know who the fuck Aqua, Vin, and Terra are. Um, and I actually, uh, that happened to Allie when I was on her show for Crash Point Tower. She hadn't read any of the High Republic Adventures comics. So that was her first exposure to Zine, Lula, and Sai. And no idea of like Zine's background or any of the stuff that happened there. And I, I do think that is a problem because I'm a broke ass bitch. I, it's, I pay bills, food, and High Republic. Like that's my, that's what I spend my money on because it's, but even then, like I still haven't got all the comics. I haven't done, um, uh, uh, I was about to say Jedi Temple Ta Challenge, which is an excellent show with Ahmed Best. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stan Ahmed Runner. Best. Uh, Tempest Runner, that's what it is. I haven't done Tempest Runner yet because I haven't bought it, you know? And I do think that is a problem, is that it has Kingdom Hearts Syndrome, where if, you, if you're not reading the comics, then you don't know who Skier and Keeve is, and you're missing the majority of Avar's story. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because I don't know if y'all remember this, but in the late 90s, Lucas, LucasArts did an experiment with uh, a book called Shadow of the Empire, where they yes. had somebody do a score in a video game. And the only way you can get the entire story is that if you did play both the video game and read the book. I described it as that time uh, Lucasfilm did all of the marketing for a movie without ever actually making the movie. Yeah, and it, from what I had heard, it wasn't a big financial success. Like people played the video game, no one read the book, that kind of thing. And the book did not age very well at all. Like it's not good at, like I wouldn't recommend anybody read it anymore because it's straight up sexual assaulty and it's really bad. But like, I, I, so I'm surprised that Disney went all in on doing the multimedia thing. And that now their announcement that Acolyte's gonna be a High Republic show, I'm like, well, how's anybody really going to get the whole picture of of the I story now? There's times they do it well, like as far like Wreath Silas. So Wreath Silas is sort of the main character of the young adult books. Mm -hmm. And if you want to read Wreath Silas's story, if you read Into the Dark and then Out of the Shadows back to back, you're getting kind of a Wreath story. Now these other characters are going to come in and out, like Vern and Emery are going to come in, and you're not necessarily going to have all of the context for it, but like, if you want to just follow Wreath through, that's a way to do that. If you want to follow, like, that's really the best example I could think of off the top or, of my I head. Would, I would throw Vernestra jump in there, too. Like, because I, I would argue that Vernestra is the other main character of the young adult middle, middle grade books. Because she's If kind you of a wrap the line. two up, yeah. If you wrap, if you were to read, like, what's what's the first one? Uh, uh, what's uh, the first uh, middle grade book? Uh, Test of Courage. Test of Courage. There we go. Mm. If you were to read Test of Courage and then Out of the Shadows, you're gonna get a really good Vern story, which uh, holy crap! At the end of uh, Out of the Shadows, they really set Vern up to do some things. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was shocked when Into the Shadows killed off a major character from the adult novels mm -hmm. at the end. 
when they kill oh, off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, wait, did that happen in the young adult book? And I tweeted this on Twitter and Kevin Scott responded to me because he misinterpreted my tweet because my tweet was in the vein of, wow, I'm really amazed that the High Republic put this in a young adult book rather than it being in the quote unquote mainline adult. And mm -hmm. he did, he responded to that tweet that was like, well, the adult that, yeah. books aren't really, really mainline at all. And I had to say, well, that's, that's why I put it in quotation marks. My, you know, my intention was not to get that across. But they say that, but fans take that as the main books are the, like, because there's often like people who just like, just don't, middle grade is not their thing. So they're going to miss like chunks of Vern's story. Um, it's, it's, uh, as you were saying with comics, like, um, one of my best friend is just starting and she is just not a comic book person. And she was just like, I just need you to tell me what happens. I'm not going to read them. And so she's mm -hmm. going to, again, be missing like Skier and Keith's story. So when you say that, like everything is important, that, that sucks. That's just hard. You know, like it's just, um, so our, us as fans are going to be like, well, then what are the most important stories? And if they say it's all important, that's kind of a little bit of a, I don't want to say a fuck you to the fans, but like it's it, it feels very corporate-y at times a little bit. Like buy all of our shit, and I'm like I can't. I'm poor. Yeah, and and, and the fact that the the phases uh, begin and end with a main book, like a, a, an adult book, and not anything else, or at least that's according to what they've said so far. That you know, how am I supposed to believe that a comic book is going to be at, at just as significant as one of the adult books? I actually. I kind of like that it encourages people to try out different things, but on the flip side, I do see what you guys are saying, where if you do want to get into all of the, the diff if you don't want to get the whole story, it can be detrimental financially. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm looking forward to in a couple of years when I introduce people to things and they can go on Marvel Unlimited and read all of the comics for 10 bucks. And that's it. Or I, when they're collecting them in trades, because if you're looking at it while it's coming out, yeah, it's, it can get prohibitively expensive at times. Like the way I look at it is the same way I look at like the movies, the TV shows and everything else. Like, um, like the movies are like the, the, the pillars of the house where they hold up the house. The TV shows are like the set dressings and everything that feel like that make a house a home. And then when you get to like like the books and the comics and stuff like that, they're like like your Nintendo Switch. Like you don't need a Switch for a house, but it's there because it makes it home. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how I kind of feel. Like I feel like the adult line is like the bones of the human. And then like all the everything else like makes the human and fills it in. Yeah, like you can... You can even read like the adults and novels and the young adult novels. Cause I started just reading the books. I didn't get into the comics until rising storm came out and they were talking about Avar's alliance with the huts. Yeah. And I was, and I was like, like, what, what? <laughs> yeah. What is happening here? I, I need to know Kingdom Hearts what syndrome. this is. Yeah. It's the problem I, with the kingdom hearts franchise. I'm going to, I'm going to make a prediction. It's either going to happen in a TV show or it's going to happen in a movie. But at some point, a director that's doing a High Republic project is going to say, no, I don't like this. Just get rid of it and change the continuity completely. Well, that's the thing. That's kind of the scary thing, because we've already seen that happen with shows like Bad Batch. Yeah. You know, they totally took the Kanan, the last Padawan comics and changed the Order 66 sequence, which as a fan of the Kanan comics, I was just like, 
Uh, well, first of all, like, why is Kanan a white boy when he's a person of color? Whose white baby is this? <laughs> yeah, like, I, <laughs> with adult Pretty Prince Jr. coming out of his mouth. Um, but, like, I, I love those comics. And it was a little bit of a shock. And they did the same thing with the Ahsoka novel with the Siege of Mandalore, where... Yeah. Um, now, now, granted, they didn't give like Ashley Eckstein like all the bare bones, and I don't even think they were making um, *Siege of Mandalore* at the time. They specifically, they specifically asked E.K. Johnson, uh, who wrote the novel. They specifically asked her not to include any action in her version of the *Siege of Mandalore*. Yeah, because I think they were talking about doing *Clone Wars* season seven at the time, and they wanted okay. to leave it open for sense. the show to do that version of it, which is why the *Siege of Mandalore* is different in the book than it is because she was specifically asked, please write it a certain non-combat way just in case Dave and co decide to do Clone Wars season but seven. But like, like movies and TV shows will always supersede books and comics. Yeah. So yeah. if they ever come out and make like a Light of the Jedi movie, actually, I'd rather have it be a Light of the Jedi television series because the cast is just so massive. Agreed, yeah. Um, yes, please. Like Animated? any... It's going to be considered, yes, please. Um, it's going to be considered more canon than the book it's based on. <laughs> well, I, I have an alternate take on this. So just, uh, I want to present my alternate viewpoint here because I've had to wrestle a lot with canon divergence. And the way that I try to approach it is Star Wars is a mythology, not a history. And yeah. when you tell stories in a mythology, They'll overlap, but sometimes they'll tell the different story, the same story a different way mm -hmm. in the context of the story that they're trying to tell. So looking at the Kanan thing, I too had to struggle with that, especially since I read the Kanan comic after I saw Bad Batch. And the way I look at it is because it's a mythology and the importance is on the, the internal story that it's telling. Bad Batch had to tell its story of Order 66 for Kanan a certain way. It had to put hunter and crosshair in there to set up hunter failing to save kanan and that setting up his relationship with omega throughout the rest of the series whereas the kanan comic wanted to show a quiet moment with depa and kanan and the clones because a lot of the bones of the story of that comic it's is kanan's relationship with gray so these mm. the way i look at it is it doesn't have to match up entirely accurately like it doesn't have to be beat for beat it's as long as it's you know the same events and i trust that with the high republic they're really trying very hard to make it internally consistent but we even see things like the ram and tie scene which is when you read the rising storm and when you go read rice to crash point tower it's not the same scene repeated verbatim it's different dialogue and different events occur. I believe in the adult comic, it's Ty that gets them out. And in the, the middle grade book or the adult book, it's Ty that gets them out. And in the middle grade book, it's Ram that gets them out. I, I tend to be a little more forgiving about that, but they could always just declare it a non-canon retelling. Who knows? But that's the way I see it. But I, I do see the concern is like, especially if you're looking at a director that wants to frame it through a different lens, considering how good the High Republic has been with its diversity and inclusivity, I would be concerned about someone else coming in and tackling like a another version or another perspective and erasing part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That might be part of my concern, especially since some of it is, some of it is almost blinking you miss it. Some of it is very out there. And our next item on the agenda is very out there, like in your face. But some of them, like with Ty, like I completely missed that her bisexuality was actually confirmed in The Rising Storm. 
I completely missed that. Oh, really? I, I missed I missed Vernestra being ace until Justina said it. Mm. So I was like, oh yeah, yes, it was. So I would have concerns about, you know, somebody coming in and doing something in this era and being like, uh, we're just we're just not gonna acknowledge the gayness over here, or we're gonna tell this a different way. I'm hoping that's not the case though. Well, only time is going to tell, right? That's true. Yeah, I'm not gonna just make a horrible joke. Be like, we'll never get movies because they're such horrible sellers. <laughs> uh-huh. The higher public's failing so the much, hor- you guys. It's it's failing all the way to the top of the New York Times bestseller Disney list. Disney paid comics- all of us to talk about it. <laughs> the yeah, comics yeah. are doing multiple reprints. I would be fine with so Disney. Bad. I would yeah. be fine with Disney paying me to talk about Star Wars. Uh, Disney, wait, make- please let that happen. Pay me to Disney, write a, where's write my check? What if series of my fanfic? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fire and Thread is canon now. Oh, thank you. We have decided that. You haven't gotten to the Lothal Temple scenes yet. There's a Lothal. Stop talking spoiler, about spoiler, this. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not. I promised the the Rupal Chaudhry's Twitter that I would read the Thrawn Ascendancy books this week. I can't go. Oh, I forgot. It. Oh, it is coming out this week. Yeah, Lesser, Lesser Evil. Evil is coming out this week. Oh, as I I'm forgot about this. that. So the last queer rep that I want to very specifically talk about, and then I have a section for for just general others that I didn't mention. Uh, I want to talk about the Kit Rep So plot line from Rising Storm, because no one talks about this fucking love Victor in space with him. Yeah, and- <laughs> I don't even think it was that, at, as romantic as love Victor. Th- those two, those two ran away to the uh what was the name of the ship uh uh sinking ship 101 yeah sinking the sinking ship that the was sinking a, ship, the not the I, I, I love how the book starts off the most technologically advanced ship i'm like oh this shit's getting oh, blown up in like the, the first well, chapter that, that's how i felt about starlight beacon because they say everything like all the titanic words for starlight except for that it's unsinkable and so when i read that i was like well this is burning horribly the, yeah this shit's gonna get blown up soon <laughs> this yeah is gonna go well i was already making like jokes about avar just being like I'll never let go, Elzar. I'll never let go. <laughs> As it's burning around them and like Stellan's dragging the two idiots to the escape pod. <laughs> well, they're no, having I, this romantic moment. I loved that whole plot. I love the scene where Kip and his uh, his love interest are like at this party and Belle comes up and starts talking to them. <laughs> and Belle, his, his immediate thought is, oh, Oh, this Jedi is so much hotter than I am. I need to get away from him immediately. <laughs> Bell, Bell is just good boy TM anyway. So he's just like, what's going on, you guys? And they're like, ah. Uh. It's like, I, um, how are Bell you cock blocking me? Bell has a That's dog. That's exactly though. what it is, yeah. He shows up with a dog. He's like, how are you cock blocking me with how hot you are? I hate it. He has it. a dog. <laughs> Because he has a dog. That makes him objectively dog. better than you. Well, there needs to be more pets in Star Wars. I just want to throw that I, out. I, I like know. Agree. Ember is best girl. Ember and, is the uh, best, yeah. Star Wars Kids is doing this little series of like this like robot going through all the creatures of Star Wars. And they just had an episode of Charhounds. And it's just this Charhound. It's all about Charhounds for like two minutes. And it was almost, oh, I loved it. I screamed. I watched it like five times. But here's here's specifically what I liked about the Kipso plotline, uh, because I remember being 17, 18 years old and reading the Star Wars books. And at that time, I grew up in an extremely fundamentalist Christian house, like Southern Baptist Christian house. And I always have to preface, preface these stories by don't get the wrong idea about my family. 
they made some mistakes while raising me, uh, but they are absolutely fantastic. I love them very much. And they've done a very good job of changing their philosophy to be more accepting. Always got to throw that out there before I talk about stories of myself as a child. So I grew up in a very fundamentalist, like deep, deep Southern Baptist household. I literally thought being gay was a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Like I genuinely thought it was a mental illness when I was a child, all the way up through being a teenager. And it was only when my best friend in high school came out that it started, that started changing for me. And I went on this journey to, I have to be more accepting of gay people to, wait a minute, wait just a second here. And during the time I was on this journey, I was reading a lot of the Star Wars books. I was reading Legacy of the Force as it was coming out. And I know that reading the Kipso plotline where it's just this dumbass, awkward teenager who immediately develops this crush on the mayor's kid. Jom. I, I looked it uh, up. That's his name. Yeah. Jom. And thank you. I forgot the name and I didn't want to actively say I forgot the name. <laughs> but he develops this crush on Jom and like spends the whole book trying to like flirt with him basically and then it ends up they kind of get together but not really at the end of the book if i had read that at age 17 18 just in a star wars book it would have made my own journey that much easier i feel like because i would have had something to relate to I mean, it goes back to what we were saying about Vernestra, like normalizing things. Mm-hmm. Um, the importance of having this queer young adult media. It's like, I, 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 it's not on me. It's all the way across the room, so I'm not going to get it. But like the picture book for Attack of the Republic Fair, like there's a cute little picture of like Jom and Kip together at the end. There's fucking what? Yeah. A picture. There's yeah. fucking what? There's I, a, I, I will, I will take out my, my headphones and go grab it for you so I can hold it up to the screen Bless. for you. Hold on. Bless. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. See, I was going to pick up the picture books. Yeah, they're very cute. And they come with stickers. I was going to pick them up like after oh, the fact. I have a sticker of Belle and Ember. <laughs> oh, my God. They're very cute. Except my only gripe is the fact that, um, oh, I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it's. <laughs> I forgot it's Bell and Kip. Well, I, which I think I uh, forgot it's Bell and Kip. I forgot it wasn't Jom. I'm sorry. That was uh, my bad. Jom isn't wait, that Jom is described in the book as being ginger. Yeah. That might be Jom. I think that might be Jom. No, I think that's Kip. I think Kip Kip canonically I mean, I, has I, dark I, hair. I, I not that not that Bell is gonna have a lot of opportunities to explore, but I'm pretty sure Bell is I um, love how this book is too because it ends like we all saved everybody at the fair and i'm like you're forgetting the last 15 fucking chapters yeah kip uh, uh kip canonically according to wikipedia uh sourced in the rising storm has black hair and green eyes john is ginger so that is that is maybe, John. so uh so, so then this is this is wrong it says because on the innovator bell zedapar had rescued the chancellor's son and others before the ship sank while stellan geos had protected chancellor so so we're in my, in my head cannon. Bell basically pushed Kit to the side, and now it's Bell and John. <laughs> and, and Bell's not even being malicious about it either. He's just like, "Why don't you go? Why don't you go sit down and rest? We'll oh. go to the we'll go to the celebration. I'll escort him." And Kip in his brain is like, "God damn it, Bell! Why are you so perfect?" He's just good boy Tim with dog. And Bell's like, 
No, you just you need to rest after your ordeal. Uh, I'll I'll accompany John and make sure nothing happens to him. Kip's like, God fucking damn it, Dave. <laughs> Bell, I am trying to get laid. You dumbass Jedi. <laughs> oh my god. It's like, it's okay, guys. I'm here. He's a good oh. boy, Jim. I like, love nobody, nobody talks about this little like side plot in there, but it's honestly like the cutest fucking thing. These are it so is cute, so by the, way, it, the little picture books. I it it was say. literally one of my favorite things of of the book because I'm like, they Bell is in this horrible situation with the innovator. There, that's the that's the name the of the innovator. It. Yes. Um, uh, uh, Bell is in this horrible situation just because John and Kit were trying to find a place to like, you know, mess around. That's essentially what it is. They, they wanted to hold hands. Is that is they, that they not... wanted to do more than hold hands? If they're going <laughs> if they're going all the way to the like look for a, like a corner while all this madness is happening before the Nihil show up, like the the festival, like that's totally two teenage kids trying to find a makeout spot. It explicitly spot. states in the book when it gets inside Kip's head. It explicitly states that he had spent the the previous evening, like after he first arrived on Vallo and met Jom. He had basically spent the previous evening, like thinking about, at the very well, least, getting some physical stiff with socks him. that someone has to wash. Well, it, first of all, it sucks to be the son of the of a politician, oh, much yeah. less the, yeah, much yeah. less the main executive. Uh, I mean, God, Lena fucking so who is shady and a colonizer. Shady and a colonizer. Yep. So I, I will I will say that about Kip, like. Kip did soften my image of Lena um, to actually see, and it goes back to what we were saying about the Jedi, like seeing Lena as a human and not as the Chancellor um, and seeing her just as a person and a mom and like finding out that her story that she was a single mom that came from poverty, like that that did soften a lot of, like a little bit, but I mean, she's still a colonizer. And, um, and her she scene was, with... oh, sorry, oh, she, was, she was trying to be helpful on Valo. Like she wasn't mm-hmm. trying to like, do the Palpatine thing where it's like, okay, bye bitches, I'm out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she she did, you know, she tried not to be too much of a burden. She was very concerned for other people. And, you know, I do think she believes in all the democracy bullshit that that is, you know, what she's all about. So that to me was one of the most the interesting parts of the Rising Storm. Um, the character of Tia Toon, like the Solston senator that who was just like, we need war budgets. Like, <laughs> and, and, she's neither, like no. <laughs> and neither of them are wrong. Even but, and Tia that's what Toon. I liked about it. Even Tia Toon, like, this is a big deal made in both Light of the Jedi and Rising Storm. Even Tia Toon's like, I don't hate the Chancellor and I don't hate the Republic. Yeah. I I disagree with the Chancellor on the direction it should go. But that is not the same thing. Where when, uh, when Ty Yorick's at the meeting and they bring in this, like, illegal technology and Tia Toon's like, why the fuck would you think I would want to be at this meeting? Mm-hmm. What possessed you? Like, I have called in the Jedi. Like, what possessed you to think that just because I want a Republic Defense Force means that I want to commit war means crimes? That I want to commit these crimes. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to depend on the Jedi, which, by the way, that's not a bad idea at all. <laughs> yeah, we saw in the Clone Wars what happens when you depend on the Jedi. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love the, the scene with lena in the hospital room and i love how like kip's story it's intertwining both the romance with john and his relationship with his mother Mm -hmm. where it talks about how he's really uncomfortable being the chancellor's son and he's really uncomfortable being in the spotlight 
And through the experiences with what he has to watch his mom go through on Valo, and also his experience with just Jom when they're in the innovator and it's sinking, they have this very dynamic like push and pull between them where mm -hmm. Jom is like very rush into things immediately. And Kip is like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kip's story at the end of it, he's determined to stay with his mom and make more public appearances and be more supportive of her. But he also like makes out with Jom in front of cameras. Which is yeah. I'm I'm I was picturing uh, when I was listening to that. I was picturing like a, a Real Housewives style documentary show where he's on Valo. <laughs> and he cuts away, and he's like, and then I took it personally. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> I he's really, flipping tables. I really hope they bring those characters back, just because I kind of want to see even just in the background for like five minutes mm -hmm. to bring these characters back. I've got kind of a suspicion with how heavily they're focusing on the Padawans and how they're introducing these younger characters that we're going to follow some of these characters throughout their entire lives. And, yeah, and we're seeing I, their relations because um, mm -hmm. Avon, I think, was her name in A Test of Courage. Avon Staros. Like, yeah, we meet her mother in Out of the Shadows. So, like, because of what Vern did in A Test of Courage, her mother is very, like, amiable towards Vern Estra in Out of the Shadows. because You like, want to talk about people who are shady. Sana Staros. <laughs> I mean, Sana Staros is shady, but... She's a shady bitch. Senator, Senator Staros from Out of the Shadows. Yeah, shady. But there was still that nice moment where she was like, you saved my daughter's life. I owe you, even though I'm about to trick you. But thanks for doing that, sweetie. <laughs> I just, I don't see people talking about Kipso enough. There are zero, I was shocked. I went on AO3 because I was just curious. I was like, is anyone writing fanfic of this? Because I know that like when I was on Tumblr back in the day, back in the, the dark times, when I was on that hell site, people would have been all over that. I was like, is, are people writing fic for this? And nobody is. It's actually really interesting that how little um, High Republic fan fiction there is. And, and I'm not terribly surprised because the book side of the fandom is the smallest part of the fandom of Star Wars. So I'm not right. like horribly um, surprised by it, but also partially because the High Republic is such a big deal right now in book fandom. Um, other than like the Thrawn novel and like the Padme book that got like pushed back some. This is like a main, the mainline books at the moment. So I, I was actually mm -hmm. surprised that the majority, well, the majority of the stories are like Avar, Stellan, and, 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 uh, what's his butt? Elzar, like Elzar. OT3s and shit, but. So do we have any other LGBTQIA plus characters that we want to bring up? Because well, we haven't even, through... we haven't even talked about the biggest, bitchiest queen in the whole fucking series. And who is that, Chris? That would be Marcia. You. That would be Marcia on Roe. <laughs> oh lord! My my beta reader is writing a Martian like period piece romance novel, and I can hear her screaming in the background. She's like, "No, he's a nine foot tall meow meow boy that's pure sex and loves women." Like, I mean, it, I I think he's just so full of bile and vengeance. He's probably never going to be romantic or romantically inclined with anybody. But he's such a fucking drama queen. That I know that. Dark Side Divas, because it's it's all Steph and Chris going through, doesn't do guests. But I feel like if they were going to do a guest, Martian Rowe would fit right in. Agreed. And whether or not that is a compliment, it is probably not. Take for <laughs> like like I... like like it like Steph and I would say something, and Martian would be like, "You stupid." 
bitches and <laughs> then, then then proceed to inform us why we're wrong then this mark thompson's quiet like level voice where it's he sounds like he's not a threat to anyone but at all mm-hmm. and love- then you listen to what he's saying I love how that tiny voice comes out of that like nine foot tall meow meow boy. <laughs> I look I, at him and I'm like, you look at him in the High Republic adventure is like when he's full mask off, like what his face looks like. He's standing there talking to Cricks. Uh, Cricks comes with, up to like his belly button and that's like a Crix, full Crix like Crix teenage comes boy. Up to his knee and it's like, what? Uh, and also, I like I didn't even know he was that gigantic until I saw the co- him in the comics. I was like, "What, really?" I thought he was the same. I thought he was like eye level with Lorna D, but I guess not. It, it's so funny when it comes to Marchion. I've never turned on a character so fast in my life. Because like, like before before Rising Storm, like I was a full Marchion hoe. Because anybody who knows me knows I love a good villain. I love mm-hmm. villains. I'm a villain sympathizer. Like, Except I, for I, Jace Rucklin. Fuck Jace Rucklin. Well, that's the, but even then, like there are villains I love to hate. Like I love to hate Tarkin. I think Tarkin's a very well-written, interesting villain, but I'd love to hate him. Yeah, I agree. And and so, like, I, I was such a, like, a hardcore Martian ho. But what he did to Loden, I just, I never, I, I, I will never forgive fast, him. Like, in, and, like, it's such a visceral reaction, too. Just, like, not only just, like, how he killed Loden, but how he, like, tortured him for, like, the cutting of the Leku. <sighs> like, that bothers, oh, it just. How fucking are dare so, you, like, actually? Yeah. And I, I've just, I've it's never happened to me before like i actually got angry seeing the eye of the storm comic cover because he has the yellow lightsaber and i'm like Ugh. that's not yours no <laughs> like I, I it's never happened to me before to where like i went from just desperately loving a character to viscerally hating them at target levels like it's it's so and i still want to see what happens with him and stuff and um, that that was actually the first time that I felt like the writing was inconsistent because Martian in Light of the Jedi feels very different from Martian in Rising Storm, and and I yeah. thought about it to where like Martian in Light of the Jedi because he was so new, he felt like almost like Moriarty levels thinking four dimensional chest. Well, in Rising Storm, because he's chasing like the ghost of his father, he feels more like petulant teenager, um, just being like, "Stop looking at me, ghost dad." Um, Tempest but, Runner does a great job of because there's flashbacks this. and you can actually see there's a flashback of Martian Rowe with his father Ugh. and the way he interacts when he's around his father versus after his father uh, dies tragically in a horrible accident Martian reported as he swanned down in a dramatic frilly black dress no one knows what happened to this man how unfortunate that all of his money and power is mine now i think i mean interesting oh yeah i was gonna say i think martian's psyche is starting to break i think when he started seeing visions of his father in the second book i i can't help but wonder if there's a connection with the leveler or his possession of the artifact well i'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna casually spoil. Uh, I was vague earlier, but I can't not talk about this directly. So sorry, Chris. You said you didn't mind spoilers. This is your spoiler. Here we go. Mari Santeca dies in Out of the Shadows, and mm-hmm. that means no more paths. So listening to Martian Rowe in Tempest Runner post Out of the Shadows 
when he has to contend and it, and in high republic adventures where he's having to maintain his power over the nile but he doesn't have the paths anymore interesting and my, he's like mm. well see my my tinfoil hat theory um is that uh marcion is the dooku and lorna is the palpatine and that she's going to become like the main villain going forward and so like Marcion starts off as like this like big flashy things like it's and she ends up being just I I my theory is that he's a stepping stone for Lord Lorna to take more power because he's the one that's like causing all this thing so he's the one that's kind of out front but as he starts losing his grip and his stuff like that Lorna's already uh part of out of the shadows at towards the end she's already making like her stuff and she even says I see the Nihil fell, failing I gotta make sure I'm okay and in, in um, Tempest well, Runner that- yeah that's that's the whole like the whole arc of Tempest Runner mm-hmm. is she gets screwed over by Martian, and then at the end, she like reforms her own Tempest out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. She comes back with this Tempest and is like, I'm a Tempest Runner, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And even Martian has to kind of concede like, okay, I'm, I need to talk to you on more equal footing, which is she has the leveler in the comics. The Jedi thinks she's the Eye of the Nile. I, I, I mean, I, that. I, I think she, I, I think Lorna is on her, on her, on her way to become the, the main villain of the overall series. I think Martian is going to be like phase, phase one, maybe phase two villain, and then Lorna is going to take it all the way through. Mm-hmm. I have a hot take about the Nile. Oh. This is a super spicy take. I am glad that we brought up the toxicity in the queer community earlier because my hot take on the Nile is that the Nile are queer coded. But oh, they are yeah, queer coded. Oh, totally. They are queer coded in a way that is that toxic element of the queer community. Mm-hmm. Where if you look at the Nile, they are incredibly vicious. They are incredibly backstabbing. They would be fine if they could just work together, but they're more interested in indulging their own vices, doing what's good to them personally. And they surround themselves with this other pe- these other people and they just do to whoever what they want because they have this sense of entitlement and they tear each other down. They're constantly screwing each other over. Whereas we see the Jedi of this era are working together and that's where their strength comes from. So you're saying that the Night Hill are the uh, EDM white party gays? Uh, that is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, they, they have raves. They have raves in Light of the Jedi. Yeah. And as, again, to get super personal, as a former recreational drug user and not like the, the okay type, like smoking weed occasionally, but being in those circles, reading Light of the Jedi made me very uncomfortable mm-hmm. because I have been in those environments. And I know what those environments, and there are lovely people that are in those environments, but there are also people who are not, mm-hmm. who are very selfish, who are very concerned with themselves, who don't care what's happening in the broader community or the broader world. They're just here to have a good time. And they lose themselves in this. And I'm, I'm reading these, this wreck punk rave that they're having in Light of the Jedi. I was like, this is extremely uncomfortable because I know this mentality. I've uh, been in that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. One point, those scenes are great in the audiobooks because they actually make rec punk music to be playing in the background. Those scenes are fantastic. 
Um, and the other thing is like my other tinfoil hat theory is that's kind of going to be what the acolyte is about where the Sith have been watching the Nihil going, huh, they're really fucking over the Jedi over there. And I think eventually it's going to be the Sith acolytes absorbing the Nihil. And that's why we, we don't, don't see know them who anymore. the Sith is in this era. That's my favorite part. Yeah. I don't, I, the I, Sith I, could be anybody. I, I, don't, I don't think there's like a Sith per se. Um, and that's actually one of the things I like about the Nihil is that they're not Sith. Um, right. But they're still playing with these kind of like force thingies, like the leveler. But I, I think that they're going to be absorbed by the acolytes, and that's why we don't have them anymore. Someone, someone we've already met in this series might be either the master or the apprentice, and we just don't know it. I, I, I just want the Sith to be held off as long as possible. I really yeah, don't I want them to show up. Me too. Yeah. And that's actually why I like that the acolyte is set at the end of the High Republic, so it's going to be like a capstone on it. So. I kind of want it to be revealed at the end. I kind of love the idea that we go through all three phases and we meet interesting characters. And then at the end of it, they're like, oh, two of them were Sith Lords all along. I think Vrunestra is going to fall to the dark side, but that's just me. Uh, if not, I mean, there's like Elzar could be, Venestra could easily. I could see that. Uh, Ty, well, Ty could. I feel like they're the they're the obvious choices with Elzar and Ty, but like with Vernestra, it's just like she's a prodigy, and like really, sh she doesn't have friends. Like she like meets up with Wreath, but she's separated from everybody, and like she knows other Padawans, but because she's so much younger and in a different position of power, she they're not her peers anymore, and so she's very isolated. And the way I explained reading. Um, out of the shadows where if Vernestra is a slab of butter um, and you just get this like this piece of toast, she's just being spread thinner and thinner and thinner. And eventually that's going to get her because she doesn't even trust Stellan anymore to go to him, to tell him mm -hmm, the secrets mm -hmm. and stuff. That's a um, big deal, especially considering, you know, Elzar trusted Stellan enough to go to him and talk about his literal fall to the dark side. And they have a different relationship like, though. That is true. And and we talk about cycles. Like Stellan has said that his master, Reyna, was hard on him and was a little bit isolating as well. And so like that, there's a cycle, a vicious cycle there that he then put on to Fernestra. Um, my, um, my friend is really insistent that he thinks that if, they're, if they strengthen the three-way dynamic between Stellan and, and Elzar and Avar, that Avar could fall to the dark side. I've seen, I, I've actually come up, that was my my Titanic theory of like, she turns back to the light as as Starlight is burning around her and Elzar's like, I'll die with you. <laughs> and then like Celine Dion sings in the background. <laughs> it's kind of incredible to me that, like when you look at the High Republic and you look at the speed at which it's moving, it is not afraid to do things. Like it is, we could live in this era of the High Republic for the next five years but they're not interested in doing that. I mean, I, I think that's why there's so much focus on the Padawans because I, I think there's going to be time jumps between each phases. Mm, I agree. And we're going to see these Padawans become knights and then we're going to see these knights become masters. Um, and so the, which, which is what bums me out that we started where we did because I want to learn more about the adults of this era and I'm afraid that they're going to get lost and left behind and that's why we need prequel books where they're all happy and going to Ikea. They um, may, well, they we may still keep could. going they, back. Yeah, they could always go back. I suspect. But the I suspect books aren't that they're selling well, moving. you guys. They're all. Oh players. yeah, I know. All, 
Disney Plus is just doing terrible too, and oh, so nobody oh, goes yeah. to see Marvel movies anymore. All that kind of yeah. Yeah, like how, how ever since they started putting the, the women and the gay people in the movies and the critics didn't like Eternals, you guys. The critics didn't like Eternals to the tune of I checked this morning about $112 million. It was truly awful. I didn't like it. I mean, it wasn't my favorite Marvel movie. I wish it were a Disney Plus show instead, but I, I, I love parts of it. I'm seeing it literally it after this reporting. There's way too, much, way too many characters. Yeah. Yeah. Bradley Bradley liked it, which is a, a vote against it, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> of course, Bradley didn't like Dune and thought it was boring. So Bradley is dead to me. <laughs> Dune was perfect. Oh my god! Ugh. I haven't had the chance to see either, so I have no. Idea. I love Dune. So Dune. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Dune fan. So uh, the books, not the none of the movies, uh, except for the latest one. But like Bradley, you are dead to me. Just FYI. <laughs> We're, we're going to have Chris back on here shortly just so he can berate. To, I could take a break from berating Bradley at length to have Chris berate Bradley at length. Wow. What, what are those things called? Oh, a roast. We'll have a roast. All right. I would just be well, there and be like, Bradley, I've never met you. I'm just here because Charles told me to say bad things about you. <laughs> you are a butthead. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully one day, Hope, you can join us on one of our TV recaps. Um, I would love to. Uh, Chris has done that, and he pretended like he had a good time. No, it was awesome. It was awesome. We have to, we have to have Steph next. We got to keep that balance. If we don't balance, those two are going to snipe at each other. Using it, uh, of course, those two are going to fight regardless. That's that why we, we tune into yeah. Dark Side Divas every week is to listen to those <laughs> two fight. Before before we end uh, the recording, I wanted to ask both of you with regards for coming up as of recording this. We're coming up on the end of phase one, Light of the Jedi. Uh, we're getting the adult novels in January and the various novels in January and then the comics and the High Republic Adventures are going to continue and flesh out the story. What do we kind of want to see in wave three of this and beyond into Quest of the Jedi and whatever the hell the third one is called? I forgot because I'm a bad producer who doesn't research things before he records. I mean, I... I... I just want more Star Wars. I'm not, I don't have any expectations. I feel like when people like hardened have hardened expectations, they set themselves up to be disappointed. Um, I really would not mind a High Republic animated series that retells some of the book stories. I just think that, I mean, Light of the Jedi is my favorite book so far in this saga, and I listening to the audio version, I could see like so many different television shows and animated series that could come out of that. I need Boyaga to have more moments because he's my favorite jedi very such a sweet precious boy mm -hmm. what about you hope uh wave three and beyond what do you what do you kind of hope to see I, I definitely would love to see an animated series i i am animation was why i became a star wars fan like i i watched the movies growing up but clone wars is what made me a fan um and so that's that animation is my bread and butter so i i definitely want to say ditto to that i'm not really sure because everything that i expected the high republic to be they just kind of threw out all my expectations so knowing that we're coming up on the end of a, a wave one i just guess i want it to be satisfying but at the same time i almost i wish we got to see like more levity 
um, because sometimes the books can be very rough. Um, and when the only real levity is like the High Republic Adventures and the middle grade books, I, I wish some of that translated into other things because while I know it's Star Wars, um, I feel like sometimes we're always at a breakneck pace at all times that we don't have time just to like simmer in characters. Mm -hmm. um, but I always want more slice of life Star Wars. I mean, that's just something I always want personally, just to have time where characters can sit and just exist. Um, and depending, I, I was actually really scared when they released the Starlight Beacon on Fire poster and they were like, who will die? And I was like, oh no, I love everybody. Like I could do away with like two of you and I'll be fine. Um, so I, I hope they don't fall into some bad tropes as well. Like I would hate to have a character like Psy and because they don't use them very often, they're the easy one to kill off. Um, that I would find that very disappointing. Um, so if there are characters that are going to be dying, I hope they're meaningful and well handled. And I do trust all these writers. I do trust them. They've proven that I can trust them. But I also know that there is a corporate overlord hanging over them as well. So I just I just want it to be satisfying and well handled and well done, whatever they do, because I have no idea what they're going to do. And I just want to say one more time, I feel like we didn't talk enough about Syl and Jordana, um, who are precious lesbian girlfriends. Um, we skipped a lot of... We are at the at, at time of recording. I don't know where we are in, in the <laughs> I just wanted to give playback, a shout out to... But we're, we're at the two hour and 15 minute mark and we haven't even to, covered half the queer characters. I just want to say it was really nice to have see two women have a heterosexual, a hetero type of relationship that is normally in hetero books, but there are two lesbians and they were really great. Um, and they have a big lightning cat. That's a goat. Um, but yeah, I just, whatever happens with phase wave, phase wave three, um, I just hope it's handled well. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about, and I, I want to see some questions answered. I feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions and I don't want to jump a next, a time jump and not have things answered. I second everything that Hope and Chris, not that one, said about animation. 100%, uh, one thing, I don't want to speak for him, but I do know Bradley and I have talked about he would love to see like a High Republic show or a High Republic movie or something. And because he's more of a visual media kind of guy, he much prefers that. I definitely would love to see something, especially in animation, since animation gets overlooked so easily. Like not a lot of people talk about Resistance. Rebels, when it was first coming out, was overlooked. Clone Wars, when it was coming out, was first overlooked. So I would love to see some of this in animation. You could get Mark Thompson back. Mm -hmm. And you could get the voice actors from Tempest Runner back. Uh, that would be awesome. I would love to see. I'd like to see it expand out. I'd like to see them go back now that they've done Wave 1 or they're almost done with Wave 1. And we talked about they didn't have a lot of time for side stories. They're doing kind of the bake-off with... Cantum Science, Buckets of Blood, they're doing erasing, they're doing some little levity things. I would like to see them go back and do a few of those things now that they're moving on to a different phase. Can you imagine like a, a like a little mini series of just the vessel crew and their antics? Oh, that would be cute. I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it would it could just be something like small, like a little web series, like Forces of Destiny. Um, I, I would be down for that. Um, and something that like, I guess that's the, the other one. There's so many side characters like 
the scientists from Hetzal and the vessel crew and stuff like that. Like, I don't want the aside. I loved amazing. Kevin Tarr, but he never showed up again. Like, yeah. they mentioned him offhand, I think, in Rising mm. Storm. Like, I think he was at Vallow. And they were just like, hey, it's Kevin. Okay, bye. Uh, but I love that character, too. So there, there's all these amazing characters that are being introduced on the sides as well. And I, I don't want to see them get lost either because it's like, you know, we're spending so much time on these main characters. If you watch the High Republic show, which you absolutely should watch the High Republic show. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the woman who hosts it is an unbelievably good host. Christina. Christina just did, she does such a great job, but they also have little animated segments where they have little like kind of quasi animated still images. And some of these scenes visually look so cool. And I'm like, I would love to see this in like an animated form. But yes, that is what I hope to see is I want to see them go back and flesh out some of these side stories and side characters, even through just like short stories or web comics or web tunes or something mm -hmm. to go on and do this. Mm -hmm. Now that we're moving on, I also want to see phase two is called Quest of the Jedi. So this, this wave has been very focused on the Jedi and their relationship with the Republic and working with the Republic and being agents of the Republic in the Outer Rim. I want to see them go to some different places. I want to know what the path is that Vern has now, even though we all know it's Exegol. Like, come on, it's it's Exegol. I also want to see more forms of the Force because something I what I love about Clone Wars is Rebels is having like the Lasats and the Night Sisters because just because there aren't Sith around doesn't mean there's not like Darksiders around. Like, oh, what if like a Night Sister showed up? Like, that would be bonkers. That would be great. crazy. I, and I want to see like the Lasats. And I also want a Gazo Jedi. <laughs> I, but I just also love Gazos. They're my second favorite species of Star Wars. Um, I, I also, about the Hyrule Book show, I still think it's so freaking funny that Jordana's lightning cat got got official artwork before Des Ryden. <laughs> or Des Ryden has not I, had any official I art. am eternally jealous of Christina's fucking Starlight Beacon model. Yeah, that so she got cool. for that show. I seethe, seethe with jealousy every time she posts it on Twitter. I'm like, I'm God, I want to, one of these. I'm so just waiting much. for her to set it on fire. Just be like, congrats. No, <laughs> no, no, my God, no. You know, I would laugh. I'd be like, yes. <laughs> Burn the bitch. All righty. Well, Let's go ahead and, and do our plugs. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being here, for coming out to take some time away from your own shows to just talk about the High Republic. Uh, I am now trusting both of you to go back and event. Well, Chris doesn't have to because Darth Chaco and others already did Chris's job for him yep. and got Steph to read the High Republic. Yeah, she is, she is reading Light of the Jedi right now, so... But it, let's go ahead and, and do our plugs. Hope, do you want to start us out? Where can the people find you? Uh, yeah, um, you can hear me over at J Guys and Jedi. We are a not safer word podcast, but we've done all of Clone Wars, all of Rebels. We just wrapped up Resistance, which Charles was just on our final episode, and it will be out by the time this comes out because that episode comes out this week. Um, I also I'm waiting write... for the backlash from the. Uh the the two true freaks network to all show up in my inbox like they won't how dare you <laughs> they won't they'll be fine you'll be fine i promise sorry go um, ahead 
you can also find me writing for the Geeky Waffle, um, where I, uh, I'm currently reviewing Amphibia Weekly, but I also have been on Space Waffles and stuff too, and their show for Space Waffles, where you can hear me talk about um, Master and Apprentices of the High Republic who on Space Waffles with my friend Arzu. Um, and I also, as I said throughout the show, I write fan fiction. My story is called Fire and Thread. You can find it, find it over on AO3. And it's about Loden and Bell. <laughs> and it's pretty good. And all their friends. <laughs> I just wrote Orla and Skier together, and I was just like, yes. <laughs> and Chris, where can the people find you and all the wonderful bile that you dispense on a weekly basis? Yeah, so we are the shadiest uh, and darkest of uh, Star Wars queer podcasts, but here we are, uh, Dark Side Divas. We're doing the uh, canonical uh, walkthrough of the Star Wars saga. We're on Clone, Clone Wars season four currently, though we have drifted off into doing different things from time to time. Um, uh, my co-host Stephanie's been uh, my friend in air quotes uh, for over twenty years, and uh, we have a really horrible dark sense of humor. And fortunately, there are many other people that are equally awful as we are. So and. Uh, thus, we have a large audience, which is pretty cool. So check out Dark Side Divas. Uh, we, we try to come out with a new episode every week. We're doing something on YouTube where every other week we get uh, uh, we get a lot of listener questions and we don't have time anymore to go through all of them on our podcast. So every other week we're dropping uh, a special show called uh, Divas Unleashed, which is a callback to The Force Unleashed. Um, and uh, Steph and I do listener questions and get really thirsty and filthy. It's really funny because on J guys, we we pride ourselves on being the quote unquote classiest podcast in the galaxy. We we are we are, we are the dirtiest. Uh, I think the two episodes ago we played what a sex toy does this ship look like? Uh, game, <gasps> so that's like so my jam. And you yeah. can also, if you go listen to Divas Unleashed on episode two, you can see Chris's reaction to the Gold Squadron Gays episode that we had Steph on and everyone was mad that Chris went to Disneyland that day. And I was, so we just threw yeah. so much shade. But if you want to hear Chris, uh, Chris give his impression of one particular thing that Steph said that he had to beef with, go check out Divas Unleashed. Listen, I love, I love Stephanie. Don't ask her about music. Her taste in music is shit. Me and, too. And- <laughs> She's uh she she great uh she loves she knows her visual media she knows her books uh don't ask her about music. <laughs> hey Charles, yes. You. Well, we have a socials counter that we run at the end of the show. It's the only time you will hear Bradley's voice in this. But since it's my Zoom meeting and I can do whatever I want. You can also, if you don't know, find me directly at CWRogers6 on, I'm primarily on Twitter. You can find me there, or you can communicate with me on any of the Gold Squadron Gaze socials that I don't have to say because we have a pre-recorded section for that. Hope and Chris, not that one. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about the High Republic, uh, the various queer characters and the various other tangents we went on. Guys, go check out The High Republic if you haven't. It's it's extremely good. It's unbelievably good. Uh, audiobooks come highly rececommended. Thank you guys so much for coming out and, and talking with me about it. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you so me. much. It was fun. It was nice to formally meet you, Chris. I know. Thanks. Uh, I hope you're awesome. Charles, why can't you be more like Hope? 
<laughs> I was the nice one here. I'm a bitch normally. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did we forget something? Email us at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. And you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze.